Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So good to be back with you, Stag Party. How you doing, brother? You ready to uh, talk about quarterbacks? Yeah, quarterbacks where, you know, there's a lot of talk as soon as you get away from the top three. You know, there's 15, 16 guys deep that you could talk about. Love a lot of value plays this year. Late round QB is definitely in the mainstream now. Uh, and there's lots of different leagues type where you can employ that strategy. We've got some questions from... You know, Facebook and Twitter to answer on this show as well. Uh, but basically, one of them has to do with, you know, how do you handle a league that allows a flex to be a QB? Uh, we played one of these leagues, typically called the Super Flex League. Uh, that being said, most people go for QB in round one. Have you played any type of this league and have a suggestion as to when to aim for a couple QBs? This is by Sean Iacetta on Facebook. We play in this league every year. Scott Fishbowl, super flex. Uh, it really gives value to the quarterback position, makes it a little bit more mainstream, and evens it out. There is a lot of different strategies in play. I like to still play a little bit of a late-round QB. I'm not going to be the first one to grab one in the first round. I want to wait a little bit, you know, still grab those stud running backs and wide receivers. But right around uh, round three, maybe four, Four or five, I like to get 
know, two of the top 16 guys and then really not worry about the position again for a while, load up again, get those tight ends and running backs and wide receivers to balance out the roster, and then come in later and, and draft a guy with some draft a guy with some, you know, starting upside later. Because you know you can get some playable weeks out of a guy like Brian Hoyer or Mike Lennon. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, yeah, I agree. If you're not going to get one of the studs, which the gray area on studs is becoming, and the number is becoming smaller and smaller, I, I feel like, for reasons we'll talk about, if you're not going to get one of those top, top-end guys which you're going to be giving a lot of draft capital on, I feel like you can really, really wait. Because some of the guys that other players – um, you know, love like a Russell Wilson. I'm not even that excited about. So I'd rather wait a little bit later and get a Cousins or get a uh, um, even Derek Carr. So there's kind of that intermittent, intermittent uh, group of guys from about QB four to literally about QB nine or ten in in most people's rankings. Where I've got other guys that are going at, at eleven and twelve QB that I like down in in my tiers are sitting at QB five and six. So, if I'm not getting Tom Brady, if I'm not getting Aaron Rodgers uh, or Drew Brees, I'm sitting back and letting a slew of the kind of um, guys that most people are high on go, get picked. Uh, that's something I'm, I'm down with. But, you know, we're going to talk through a lot of this strategy, and one of the things we're going to do is using our draft kit. Um, please pick it up. Version 2 is out now. Version 3 will be coming out uh, in about two weeks. Um, if you buy the version now, version 2, you'll automatically get version 3. But in that draft kit amongst uh, one of 25 tabs, we've talked about it on shows before, so I'm not going to go too much into promo in this draft kit. Thanks for all of you guys that are buying it. Uh, appreciate it. And if you haven't, do it. It's a weapon. Uh, but one of the tabs is QBs, and it's top 50 QBs. So we're kind of going to be going off of this tab uh, and talking about guys and the way we've got our, ta- our these rankings going right now is based off of our collective. So our collective tiers, we have uh, four of us, maybe it's five, five of us, me, Stag Party, Houdini, uh, Archer, and Heartbeat are all doing uh, submitting tiers and we make the collective essentially is the average of those tiers for the position. So we're going to be going off that uh, tab for the draft kit. You know what? I'm going to have to fucking wait the average soon if you guys don't jump off Derek Carr's nuts. (laughs) Fair enough. We'll talk about Derek Carr, I'm sure, plenty. Um, You know, I I, I hear you. Uh, But what I will say is, just so you can follow along, press pause, go by the draft kit, and then follow along with us uh, on that quarterback's tab. Let's do this. Um, Anyway... We'll do a lot of uh, tangential stuff. We'll, we'll pop in and get some of the questions from uh, Facebook, and there's one or two from Twitter as well. Um, and anytime you guys have a question about fantasy football that you want us to cover on the show, hit us up on one of those platforms, uh, and we'll make sure to uh, to read them out. Uh, we're going to try and do more call-outs in season and as we get closer to the season. Give shout-outs to our listeners. Uh, mention your guys' name for these questions. I think that's just a, a fun thing to do. Uh, we like our fans, and you guys like being heard on the show, so we got to do it more often. Uh, so QB rank number one uh, is sitting there uh, right now for, ver- for version two from our Pyro Collective is Aaron Rodgers. Um, so let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to pull up my most recent individual tiers just so I can uh, offset 
what the collective has and where I am currently sitting with them. But what's the, what do you think about Aaron Rodgers? I mean, what's not to love about the guy? Uh, but uh, are you willing to, you know, I'll start off by saying this, are you willing to take a, a, a late second round or a third round pick to get Aaron Rodgers on one of your teams? I mean, that's De- Definitely not second round. I won't take any QB ever again in the top two rounds. Uh, in the third round, once you get to the middle or late, third round, I start to like it, just because I think the third round's the minefield of the NFL this year. The players going in the third round, they've all got giant warts, Um, so I'm trying to avoid that third round and go for potentially one of the safer guys in the third round instead of maybe spending high draft capital on a guy like Joe Mixon or Christian McCaffrey, who we don't know how big his workload is going to be. All these guys are sort of going in that third round range, and, and I decide then that you know I don't really like Alshon Jeffrey or Devontae Adams. So Aaron Rodgers becomes in play for me in the middle of the third round, just because I know what I'm going to get. Uh, the last seven years, he's been you know top two quarterback in five of those seven years. The other one, he was injured, and one year, yeah, he had he stunk a little bit, but he was still a, a top seven player at his position. I think you know what you're locked in for on a weekly basis. There isn't many matchups you have to avoid with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so, so all those things are going for him. He's got you know three complimentary wide receivers right now, Randall Cobb, uh, Dante Adams, and Jordy Nelson, who's the best of the bunch. But they also added Martellus Bennett, who could do things in the red zone, and Ty Montgomery, who's going to be one of the best passing down backs in the league. So just that slew of weaponry makes him a top, top option for me. I don't think there's much more we can really talk about. The only thing you're really worried about is the state of his offensive line after jettisoning two guards uh, this offseason. But Aaron Rodgers just moves so well in the pocket and has such a quick release while on the run that he's sort of been immune to bad offensive line play his entire career. Well, it's funny. Two things I'll say. One, he's coming off a second-best TD year ever last year, so he had 40 touchdowns. Um, And then another thing that's crazy is he had 10 more yards rushing than Cam Newton last year. So when you think about that, he had four touchdowns last year. He's done that. That's the third time he's had four touchdowns in his career. Do I think that's the norm? No, I think it's more like three is probably likely. But this is a guy that runs the ball 67 times last year, had almost 400 yards and four TDs. So he, he... He's, he's always he's got about three hundred. Yeah, he's got that. So if you got in a league that gives you like a nice bonus for the rushing quarterback, at this point in uh, Russell Wilson's career, at this point after that uh, huge um, uh, hit and concussion for Cam Newton, he's not any worse than a lot of these rushing quarterbacks at this point. Um, and and he is the best passing quarterback. So Aaron Rodgers. Let's move on. I think the last thing I love about him, or the or the question mark, the plus or minus, I think is. Is them drafting these three running backs, is one of these guys going to rise to the top? Is one of these guys going to be a stud? No. Is, it could, but he it, it could, and they could try and offset and be more of a running team than they have. Because last year they just essentially, other than a couple games, they just absolutely stopped running the ball. Um, so maybe they realize they've got to become a better team through having a little more balanced attack. If that does happen, that could bring some Aaron Rodgers numbers down. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know what you're going to get with him, like you said. Here's a segue into our next guy, and I'm going to just ask you flat out. Who are you 
if given the opportunity going, taking first in a draft, say they're both there in the third or fourth round, a place where you're willing to take them, who would you take? Who we just talked about first, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's just so locked in. Right now, Aaron, uh, Tom Brady has so many you know, compliments in the backfield. And we've seen the Patriots always be a top 10 team in giving their running backs touchdowns. And that limits some of the upside. Ever since his gigantic 50-touchdown season, they've been a team that gives the ball to their running backs near the goal line. I think Gillis Lee's a great player near the goal line, going to convert a lot of scores there. And, and they've got a lot of other complementary weapons. It, if Gillis Lee were to scuffle, I think Rex Burkhead could play a good role in the red zone. And Deion Lewis provides that little... You know, quick back out on uh, shotgun runs and just different looks than those other guys. Bill Belichick just talked about how they want to be more multi-dimensional at the running back position. You know, Gillisley gives them some of that because he can now run from the shotgun much more effectively than Garrett Blunt. Blunt's a guy who's pretty much only an eye formation uh, under center runner. Now, if you take some of the predictability out of the Patriots game. You're looking at a lot more, you know, you're going to check into some run plays. Th- things are going to look good for Tom Brady and the Patriots offense, but there's so many weapons in the backfield in addition to the ones in the passing game. Yeah, I think the thing I love a little bit more about Tom Brady than an Aaron Rodgers is the power and numbers game. And obviously, the Packers are a high scoring, high yardage uh, attack. But I just feel like Tom Brady's weaponry, when you think that Gronk was hurt a lot of last year and now they've got uh, Brandon Cooks, I mean, holy smokes. The guy's just got, and let's be honest, Hogan's a stud. That guy was awesome in brief moments. Uh, Chris Hogan, the wide receiver. Andrew Dola is able to do stuff. And, and Edelman's a beast, too. So I just think he's got so many awesome weapons. Um, even though I, I know that Rodgers does, too. Just the fact that that offense, that team, and the weapons he's got. I feel like the only thing that caps his ceiling for me is the fact that he's 40 fucking years old. Yeah, and he doesn't have that rushing upside of Aaron Rodgers yeah. that you spoke about. True. Uh, the Patriots ran it on 45.6% of their offensive plays last year. This is a team that wants to be well-balanced mm-hmm. because it allows them to run play action yeah. and run the quick-hitting backside slant to Brandon Cooks to where you can take it. But it's all coming from them being a balanced football team. Yeah. and. Just looking at Tom Brady's attempts when he came back from his suspension, they, they just weren't there where they were in you know past career years. So that gives me a little bit of pause, but I think Brady's a great option, leading right into our third option, Drew Brees. These guys are all Tier 1 QBs. Uh, since the sort of unknown with Andrew Luck, um, it, it's going to be tough for, for Luck. They're saying he could end up on the pup list. But the team's probably best beat writer, Stephen Holder, is saying that Luck will absolutely not be on the pup list. Um, he, he might stay on the pup list for a while during training camp, but they're going to pull him off the pup because if they can get him back in week three as opposed to week seven, what are the Colts going to choose? you got Scott Tolzien as your backup quarterback. Um, so I've sort of moved Luck down at least a spot and a tier 
because of recent news, just a little bit of the unknown, even missing a week or two, even though I know I can stream it. But uh, that that unknown scares me just a little bit, especially at the quarterback position, where there's so many knowns. This is the most known position out there. It's the yeah. easiest to project because the sample size for quarterbacks is so much higher than every other player in the NFL. Right. They touch the ball every snap. Yeah, and I think with uh, I agree. I agree with all your uh, points on luck. Why? Why risk take going up and grabbing a guy as much of a great player as he is, and he's got awesome weapons, and it, it, he, he'll have a great year. But why risk going too high on him if this shoulder, kind of the way was it? It was last year. Remember last year, two years ago. Two years ago, they were hiding a lot of stuff. Then his shoulder was hurt. Then he had his. Then he got a lung and ribs or something. And it just seems like there's something with the Colts where they're kind of not really honest. It seems like a little bit about what's going on, and they're also a little bit blasé and aloof about how serious certain things are. They're like, "Oh, we'll be fine. We'll be I fine." Think that, I think that was a Ryan Grigson thing. They've got a new GM in town, and Chris Ballard. I think he's one of the everybody trusts this guy from beat writers to. You know, other guys around the league, they really believe in this guy. They think he's a straight shooter. So I'm going to take their word for it until he proves us wrong. Uh, and, and just believe Luck's going to be out there a lot sooner than a pup list. Okay. And that answers Pete K. Ripper's question on Facebook. What do we think about Andrew Luck? But in relation, we have to manage the risk for his, you know, passing game compliments and, and even potentially Frank Gore. So, are you still comfortable taking T.Y. Hilton in the second round? Uh, I, I'm comfortable taking T.Y. Hilton in the second. He still averages double-digit fantasy points in PPR leagues without Andrew Luck. But it, it is a little bit different for T.Y. Hilton. They don't have a guy who can really attack downfield like Andrew Luck. Dante Moncrief, uh, I'm not touching him with the 10-foot pole this season <laughs> to begin with. So, if Andrew Luck's not healthy, the guy who throws him all these touchdowns, that he's, that's the only thing he does, uh, that scares the crap out of me. Um, so I'm avoiding Dante Moncrief. But I, I still think a guy like Jack Doyle is going to have plenty of catch and fall down volume. Uh, no matter who the quarterback is, Frank Gore, his role probably doesn't change. I don't think they can give it to him anymore uh, than they already do. And not having Andrew Luck's just going to you know, bring more defenders in the box for Frank Gore to run against. So I don't give Frank Gore a, a bump because of the Andrew Luck injury at all. As an owner of Andrew Luck, I essentially think probably every year, I've had him on at least one team every year since he's been in the league. The one thing that scares about me is the one thing that essentially got Robert Griffin uh, III out of the league. He takes the biggest hits. He doesn't. He won't change his his approach and his style. He always is just sticks in there a little too hard. He's a gamer, and that's a tough. I like it. He's a tough nosed guy. But let's be honest. He just he's had an issue with getting blasted and then thus being injured over the course of the last few years. After his first few years, where he was like. Iron Man, and you're just like, this guy's going to play 16 games every year. I just don't feel that way with him anymore. Add to the fact that at the start of the season, he's already uh, whispers of him being on the pup. So, uh, let's move on from Andrew Luck. Um, I mean, here's a question I got for you. Is Andrew Luck going to be a 4,000-yard passer this year? 
Yeah. Okay. So that, I, mean, I think that's that's not that that's you know I think there's what twelve of them now in the in the league. It's not the hugest thing, but you think he's going to play enough and get enough run where he's going to put up his four thousand yard season. I think he at least right now projects for thirteen games. I won't change my projection for the team until there's some more definitive news. Uh, I, right now, I think Luck's a tough guy. That he will come out there and start week one, whether they want him to or not. I agree. I agree with that, which was scares the bejesus out of me. Want to know something that was crazy? In 2014, his best season, when he had 4,700 yards and 40 TDs, he had 11 300-yard games. Whoa. Um, all right, let's move on to um, Drew Brees. Locked in. There's not much you need to say about Drew Brees. He's got a variety of weapons out of the backfield uh, at wide receiver and Michael Thomas, uh, some Willie Sneed, and now Ted Ginn is a field stretcher. There's also been lots of talk about Brandon Coleman finally stepping up in his fourth year. And he's another big body receiver. Huge. Who, he's who, like probably the biggest receiver in the league. Yeah, he's a sick man. Six, Are we talking six, weight? Five? No, I'm just saying, like, he's just a he's big six, dude. Six. He's 6'6". So he's Brandon, six, six. Brandon Coleman's dude. tall as shit, but Kelvin Benjamin is the biggest receiver in the league. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. But when you see him next to, like, Willie Sneed, you're like, hey, son, what's, what's this guy? We got we got a guy who's like, it's is a, this, it's is a this, point guard is this 16-year-old against, uh, you know, varsity college? It's a point guard standing next to small forward. Totally is. He is. He's big. I hope that happens, man. He's had shown glimpses. Um, you know, if anything, we'll, we'll, we'll even if he's just a red series, zone but. situational threat, that's great for Drew Brees' number. We know we can throw that uh, fade pattern to the back of the end zone to a guy who can go up and get it. We've seen Colston do that before. Yeah. We've seen Jimmy Graham do that. So that, that's a good thing for Brandon Coleman, his height and red zone leaping ability. Two questions I got for you. Are you uh, worried about Brandon Cooks being gone, or do you think that just opens up opportunities for um, – uh, Thomas, but for, from a from a a comfortability standpoint and a Drew Brees standpoint, do you think his numbers are just he's just? I think Drew Brees to, carries his wide receivers, yeah, I, and I agree. I, I think he carries his wide receivers, but on the separate note of Michael Thomas, I don't think he can be as efficient without Brandon Cooks. But that's just me, yeah. uh, and I don't think he sees that mess and mess of targets that Brandon Cooks you know vacates. Yeah. They're not all going Michael Thomas's way. So, Drew Brees is going to spread it around. I think Ted Ginn is a good value. And, you know, Drew Brees is one of the best deep passers in the game who will take shot plays. Absolutely. They love under center shot plays. Best, I mean, think about it. Kenny Stills, when he was with them, getting just all those huge plays. Um, Brandon Cooks was getting them last year. Had an enormous game in the playoffs last year. Two long bombs. And, uh... I just think uh, Ted Ginn in a best ball format and Drew Brees. I love Drew Brees in any format, but uh, he's a guy that I think um, right now Drew Brees on uh, Fantasy Football Calculator um, is going in the fourth round, sixth pick, essentially, somewhere around that That's zone. That's a little high it's, for me. It's, it's a he goes, he goes a lot higher or a lot lower in MFL 10s. He does? Where Fantasy Football Calculator is great for knowing – you know, the sort of public, casual fan. Totally. But NFL 10 has a lot more sharp drafters. They know that value. They know the replacement level value of a quarterback, so they're more apt to wait. 
Uh, and that's something you can take into. If you know the sharpness of your league mates and knowing your league is something we preach, you know how invested they are into this. You can sort of tell when the run's going to happen. Well, and one thing we should do on the show is we should agree afterwards, between now and the next show, on which one of these ADP sites we want to use. Because the reason why I use Fantasy Football kind of thing, they were doing mock drafts first. So I've just kind of, the first, earliest this season. Um, so I just, not well, all I like, I like, and other sites. I like that, that once all of them are using it, I like to use Fantasy Pros. Good point. It gives, it gives that uh, sort of spread of everybody, and then it takes a little bit of the bias out of the queue. Yeah. So the Q has usually their preset rankings. Preset rankings Good affect point. ADP. So I like to remove a little bit of the bias by right. averaging it out. Starting right now, we're going to go to Fantasy Pros and do our ADP from there. Sorry, Fantasy Football Calculator. I like to use a site, but I agree. They pull, now that there's all these sites, mocks have kind of matured and had some marinating time with users. Uh, let's use that one. So I'll so do that right now. You go to the next from one. from Drew Brees. But before, but before we do that... How about you guys do us a favor and uh, help us keep the lights on and listen to uh, this from one of our sponsors. Thank you very much. All right, go Stag Party. Fifth, we've got Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, we've got a pretty tight spread on. Everybody has him five or six except for you who has him at nine. He comes in in our fifth quarterback. Uh, Russell Wilson was injured for a lot of last year, and then when he finally got healthy, you saw him start to light it up. Doug Baldwin's there. We really like Jimmy Graham uh, at the tight end position. We saw strides from Paul Richardson, and Tyler Lockett's being talked about as a guy who could be pulled off the pup list any week now. Mm. So all those sort of weaponry and the variety of weapons are great. Uh, C.J. Proceis now sort of establishes a bit of a third down back, gives him another weapon. The question with Russell Wilson is, will he be the great runner he was, you know, not even two years ago or three years ago where he ran for over 800 yards, but will he be still a 400-yard rusher, 500-yard rusher like he was in other seasons in his career? That has a little bit of a question mark because quarterbacks after the age of 28 really start to slow down with having 500-yard seasons. There's only been 15 of them in the history of the NFL. Uh, We'll be seeing three different quarterbacks this age this year going into that realm in Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, and Tyrod Taylor. So all those things weigh on you a little bit, but I think the passing acuity and growth and just the play calling of the Seahawks makes for a good time. They're one of those teams that loves the shot plays. One thing that I read this this week that uh, actually a couple days ago is that really um, I was fired up for a, a Wilson, and he's actually moved up in my tears a little bit. Is Two years ago, he was going through that whole Sierra thing, getting married, uh, kind of going through a whole, finally getting laid for the first time in his life. Uh, a lot of, lot of big changes for him. Not really. I think he was married before. He'd been laid. But he said he wasn't going to bang her until he maybe. got married. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> um, but he was going through a lot of stuff. Kind of, He was, became more of a, a face of the NFL, a big shot player. Um, and not not in his own he's a humble guy but I like that this year basically he's working more in the offseason firing it up he's been just it, it's football it's football 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 you're not seeing him and you probably will but remember last year how many commercials he was in 
it was just like you just tell he had gone Hollywood and even the team there were whispers about it so this year it just seems like it's football 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 and I think that helps is going to help him with his health but it's also going to help him sometimes or not sometimes really what's been happening with him he starts slow and then once he gets that once he gets that groove gets in a groove and really starts rolling he's Tops, you know, he's just a, he's a tier one guy. But hopefully he can get going with it right away, and um, and it won't be a slow start for him, and that'll be pretty big. So, uh, do they, that's a funny team, though. Do they even have a backup quarterback on that team? <laughs> they have like it's th- tough to say because Trevon Boykin got arrested, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so tough to call. I, I, Russell Wilson's going to be in there, though. We that's, saw it last it. year. Yeah. He, he plays every game. Injuries, and that gives him. You know, a nice weekly sort of safety. And, you know, his team is one of the best defensive teams in the league. So that gives him the advantage of not having to play the Seattle Seahawks ever. Yeah, I see I, I see where you're going with that. Um, that's true. Okay, here's one other thing that I'd like to uh, bring up. Uh, funny, I went to Fantasy Football Pros. I said so quickly that we were moving on from Fantasy Football Calculator, but right now, and this is the reason why I like Calculator, they're only got, their consensus is only going off Fantasy Football Calculator and NFL. So they usually they'll have Yahoo, CBS, uh, fan tracks, and I don't even know, what what's DW? Um, don't know. Don't know. But, so right now they're really only going off of Fantasy Football Calculator and NFL anyway. So, um, as anyway. soon as more of those get brought in, that's my preferred. Okay. Cool. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bail on that, and I'm going to go back to the, the calculator just until we get more. Let's flip over to the next quarterback. Let's flip over to Matt Ryan coming off one of the historic seasons in the NFL. They had one of the best yards per plays, uh, yards per plays in the history of the NFL. Uh, they were a top 10 offense nearly all time, no matter how you slice it. This offense carved people up last season. Matt Ryan finishes the second quarterback in scoring behind Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but this is a guy due for regression. His passing touchdown uh, percentage stood out as a major outlier from the rest of his career. The offense as a whole was an outlier for the rest of its career. Scoring was a top 10 offense in the last decade. You know, the number of turnovers were lower than just two teams in the last decade. So all these numbers stand out as regression candidates, especially with the new offensive coordinator taking the reins in Steve Sarkeesian from Kyle Shanahan, who we know went to San Francisco to be the head man. Lots of different factors go in. His his receiving weaponry is going to be the same as it was last year, and maybe even some growth from a guy like Austin Hooper. Yeah, that you like. You know, he has one of the best wide receivers in the league in Julio, who is a matchup nightmare. If you want to put somebody fast on him, he's probably bigger and stronger than him. You want to put somebody big on him, he's definitely fucking faster than him. Just so you know, Houdini, his work, uh, the reason why I miss it, he's actually, um, he's at the lake where Julio lost that $150,000 earring. So he's, he grabs some scuba gear, grabs his goggles. He's trying to find that mofo because he just want, he, he wants to quit his job. That's, uh, that's not a bad, not a bad move. That, that lake is probably like so packed with, uh, you got, you got 
friggin' uh, Jack Cousteau down there. I bet you James Cameron, if he didn't have so much money of his own, would have one of his little submarine vehicles uh, down there trying to find the shit. But talking about Sarkeesian um, makes me want to drink. So, Val Verde. Poor form. <laughs> he, he's a rehab guy. Yeah, dick. Hey, um, I've been in rehab for a couple days, too. It's called not drinking because you're so hungover and you need to give your liver a rest. I've been there. Uh, I, so, with Matt Ryan, you, your concerns are majorly just regression in the scoring offense. But I, I still think last year, you know, the year before, he had a horrible, horrible offensive season. Finished, you know, just on the brink of top 20 quarterback. But, you know, last season, you got to put him somewhere in the middle of there. I like his price enough to where I'm not too scared off by the career year beware. There is a lot of pre career year bewares there, but he's still a solid starting quarterback. He's not going that high. Team. He's not going that high. He's a fifth quarterback, but you still get him in the sixth round. In the and we'll ref, let's refer a, a couple times here and there to the um, experts charity league that we that we just got uh, finished with yesterday. Uh, we're draftforce.com. Uh, draft Force FF.com. Data Force. Uh, so did I say I'm sorry. DataforceFF.com. Um, Brought us on for our third year uh, to draft amongst experts for a good cause. Some of the guys in that league are Pat Thorman, Justin Soblick from the New York Times, Sigmund Bloom. You got John Paulson, uh, Sean Corner uh, from Stats, and you know other guys, Jeff uh, Burbach, Brubach, uh, and Justin Boone. These are some big names in it. But we did a draft with them in a 12 manner, uh, and essentially in that league, Matt Ryan didn't go until the ninth round. I think he was the second pick of the ninth round. Um, My rule of thumb is whenever there's an expert league they, with they, all they experts. And mock, yeah. oh, this is actually a real league, so it's not a mock. But mocks push quarterbacks back too. I always subtract two, long, two rounds from any expert league on QB expectations. Okay. So he's based so in this So one, a sixth or seventh round. Yeah. And that, I mean, Matt Ryan, I'm happy with there. Here's, here's what I agree with. Obviously, the regression is going to potentially be there. But the thing that I love about him is... Um, he in a in a, a yardage a touchdown league in a big uh, reward for yardage or a long touchdown league. He's huge with Gabriel and Julio Jones. I mean, last year his adjust his adjusted completion rate on go routes was the best in the NFL. So this is a guy that can throw the long ball. He's got the targets. I mean, we've seen just little dump-offs to Tevin Coleman that turn into 55-yard touchdowns. So if you're in a touchdown, if you're in a league that rewards for the long touchdown, rewards for, I mean, he's not a, he's not a huge three. He had six 300-yard games last year, which is good. But uh, anyway, if you're in that kind of league, bump him up a little bit over a guy, in my opinion, like a Russell Wilson, who's going to be awesome, but it's going to be more of chippy-dippies. You're not, you're not going to get too many 80-yard touchdowns out of him, unless Paul Richardson, who you mentioned, Earlier, kind of really takes that next step and becomes that huge deep threat. Because I'm not, I'm not sold on Lockett. I just don't think he's a wide receiver. And honestly, in all honesty, in this league, um, anyway. Anything else you want to? Uh, no. New stadium? Could that uh, could that hurt or help? Like he's leaving kind of the comforts of his own uh, of his own home that he's had for the last seven eight years or whatnot. Um, maybe even more at that point. Uh, at this point, he's came in 08, Yeah, so he's he's a. It's Atlanta. It's gonna be fine. 
Like the weather's gonna be fine. They can dough it when they need to. I don't worry about anything. The surface there is apparently one of you know the top two surfaces to play on in the NFL for players. It gives a lot of bounce. That's gonna make these guys look real fast. So I can't wait to watch the first game at the Mercedes Benz. Uh, what is it? Superdome? No. No, it's not Superdome. I don't know. So. I call it the Mercedes Benz uh, clenched butthole because <laughs> uh, that old that cool roof ain't opening. I guess this year, at least not uh, deeper into the season, because they're having some malfunction with that badass thing. Um, okay, cool. Let's move on. Matt Ryan, I think. Don't get caught up too much. He's a career year candidate. It's probably he's definitely coming down. He's not going to have the same uh, season he had last year. But still, I don't think his. It's not like Cam Newton. Um, last year drafting where all of a sudden people were taking him in the second round because of his dynamic. He's still coming at somewhat of a value for what he can produce. Um, Matt Ryan, that is. Uh, Kirk Cousins is our seventh-ranked QB. Uh, we That's who we actually grabbed in that expert uh, Data Force League. We picked up Cousins in the tenth round, so a Stag's little rule say that's an eighth-round pick. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I think we'll, we'll just quickly go back later and, and talk about how many, because there's a bunch of quarterbacks and went in the next two rounds in that one. And there's a lot of, I really feel like the median in quarterback this year is impressive with names. The, that tier two through that tier four, you could throw it in a bottle jar, throw it on, and it, it, there's a lot of guys that can just come out and um, out, outperform one another. So, there's so much talent at this position right now. It's such a talent-rich position for the NFL. It's, we've never seen it this this way ever. I don't know if QB, football QBs are, QBs are deep, but they right after that point, there's still not enough to go around. So every team doesn't have sort of a great passer. There's not 32 quarterbacks for every team to have, and every team has a great starting QB. But half but twelve the man, fourteen man leagues, you're set. You're set with a good starter unless people are doubling up too early. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm talking about more so for twelve yeah. and twelve man leagues. I mean, you're sitting if you're the last guy to take a quarterback in a twelve man league. You're you're getting like a Brad, a Stafford, or a Dak, or a Tyrod Taylor. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I can live with that. Whereas it used to be like once once the shelf. Happens, your quarterback's in abyss land, and you're like, "Fuck, I, I got a shitty quarterback. My season's done." I mean, even look at these names. I mean, Andy Dalton is literally like the 13th quarterback going off the board. Uh, anyway, let's talk. We'll talk about that kind of stuff in a minute. Go for it. Let's uh, hit up our qu- our question oh, from Triple yeah. A. What are y'all thoughts on Kirk Cousins? Uh, career year beware, or do his numbers take a dip? So. I don't think it's really a career year beware situation. He's now put up two, you know, solid seasons for fantasy football to where you want him as your starting quarterback. It's not just a one season blip on the radar or a five game sample from that first season in which he really dominated. Now he's sort of done it four stretches. We've seen touchdown upside two seasons ago. We saw the yardage upside last season. We don't know if they're gonna be a 
grinded-out run team that they may have been in the past. We know Jay Gruden's going to throw the ball. That's his forte. So I expect Kirk Cousins to still be a big value. The thing is, he needs Jordan Reed to get back and be healthy. Jordan Reed today going out to see Dr. James Andrews to check on his toe condition. So that is a very, very big red flag. Kirk Cousins' numbers without Jordan Reed do not look as good. So we need to get some positive news here on Jordan Reed. He's got turf toe. There's no prognosis. Do you know Deion Sanders? I remember in an interview with him, who he, I think it was on the NFL Network or something. He was talking. He's like, I played NFL. I played football my whole life. I've had injuries that run the gamut. He's like, I'll tell you one thing. The only injury that could ever slow me down and ever really hurt was my fucking toe. Remember they, they down at the end of his career when he was like with the Ravens. He still had it, but he had this friggin' turf toe. It's like it's the weirdest injury you could ever imagine. But think about it when you're running and cutting, what is what is the number one component of all that stuff? It's your toe. Uh, that sucks. I did not know that bit of news about Reed. Here's what I'll say. I'll piggyback on you. Cousins went up to almost, he went to 4,917 40, 4, yards last year. I think that can come down. Um, I think there's regression there. But the guy only had 25 passing TDs. He had four rushing ones, but I think that number can go up. You you brought it up the other day. I mean, Terrell, all he all that happened this offseason is they got better red zone targets. So why can't it be a better? They got better and healthier. That was the main key. But now Reed, a little less healthy. But yeah. Josh Dotson it was one of the best red zone college football players two seasons ago. So he's going to provide a dynamic weapon. Terrell Pryor's fucking 6'5", 230, and runs a 4'4", 3". Like, that guy's a monster of an athlete. So he, you know, the things he could do as a leaper in the red zone are great. Jamison Crowder showed a lot of red zone prowess on those sort of quick screen passes, quick low, slams, low and hard, low and hard plays that are impossible to defend. Those things all seem to click for Jamison Crowder. Now, what's his next step in progression? I also think Vernon Davis is a better, you know, tight end than anything they had before Jordan Reed before. I agree with that. Niles Davis is of the world and whatever. Like, Niles Paul. Niles Paul, sorry. Uh, Niles Davis was the running back from the Chiefs. But yeah, I agree. That was Vernon, you calling Miles Vernon, Davis. Vernon feels, uh, feels like he, he, might, he might be able to step in pretty well. Um, one last thing I wanted to say uh, is that some of the great things that's with these uh, training camps happening now is go to the, uh, their websites, go to their um, check out their Twitter and their beat writers, and you can see little snippets and little videos. Doxon run, looking good. Doxon had an awesome corner of the end zone uh, catch today, thrown from Kirk Cousins. Uh, just he looks like he might be someone that could surprise this year. So Terrell Pryor highlight today caused Twitter to lose its mind. Mm-hmm. The one hand grab over the defensive back. I was I was busy all day, but I oh. like the one he I like the one from yesterday when he beat Norman. He had a sick long touchdown beat Norman, and then afterwards they both high five, and Norman was probably just like, "Damn, I'm psyched. This guy's on my team." All right, Cousins, I love his value. Don't they're just it's just going to depend on Jordan Reed. Like, if Jordan Reed is ruled out for a portion of the season, I'm going to go back and I'm probably going to drop Kirk Cousins to, like, the 10th to 12th quarterback in my rankings. And you have him where right now? Sixth. Okay. Um, Yeah, makes sense. Uh, All right, let's go to QB8. 
Uh, you know someone that doesn't like this guy. I'm not going to try and defend defend him any more than we need to. And we talk about him on a lot of shows, so maybe we just kind of uh, breeze through him a little bit. But so quickly with Derek Carr, the reason I don't like him is because his receivers do all the work for him. His air yards on throws were the fifth lowest in the NFL of all quarterbacks with 100 passing attempts. So without Amari Cooper making amazing plays, Derek Carr is just a dump-off king, and he's a guy who likes to throw the ball uh, you know, short. He's not a guy who's going to attack the field vertically and give you those big games. And you look at you know throws short of sticks, Derek Carr is going to be lower on those lists. And you look at... Uh, CN did do a good thing the other day. He posted something called adjusted completion percentage, which is basically like true shooting percentage in, in the NBA. So it adjusts for you know free throws and expected rates um, and three-pointers and the added value of three-pointers had compared to two-pointers. Uh, so what he did was he posted uh, uh, basically a quarterback-adjusted uh, completion percentage and, and it was Derek Carr's near the bottom of that list and the guys around him are like Sam Bradford and Alex Smith like the guy he just doesn't like to get vertical and throw intermediate routes he will take his shot plays but the attacking of the sticks just isn't there for me but let me just counteract that as devil's advocate and just play the other side. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, right now in my tiers, I've got uh, Derek Carr. And I don't think he's heading necessarily in, in, in the perfect direction for himself. I'm, uh, but I have him as my sixth quarterback. And I know that you have him as well, like your 12th. You, when we were drafting, basically, we, you, we were not allowed to take Derek Carr in that league. He's like, fuck off, guys. Um, but he had a 500-yard game last year. You know how many fantasy points that accounted for? How many? 13% of his total fantasy points came from that game. Okay, that was against Tampa Bay in an overtime game with terrible defense. I'm just saying, there's not many guys that can say they've had a 500-yard game in their career. So I'm not saying that he's not, not scared of taking risks. But it's 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 a stat that won someone their week. Yeah, definitely. It won somebody a million dollars. That's fine. But one week does not a season make. So if you if you I, take I, out that I, if saying, you take out the one explode. big game, he literally averaged fifteen fantasy points a game. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, I just I, I just think he, he can't explode. And the one thing I, other thing I'll say about him is he was he's a clutch player. I think I whether he, yeah. So here's a question, not fantasy wise. I know what kind of guys you like. Take out fantasy. Do you like him as a quarterback? I think Do you just not like this guy? No, I think he's one of the better game managers in the league who could make things happen when called upon, but they don't call upon him enough. And when he does decide to take shots, he's effective. He just doesn't do it. Why do you think a guy that was actually the most clutch, uh, has been more so than anyone the last few years, uh, Matthew Stafford, why do you think uh, – and I'm, I'm – Conversationally, I'm, I'm asking this question. Why is Calvin Johnson like saying he wants to come out of fucking retirement and play with this guy? What is, what is that all about? He's got, he's got a persona that people flock to, and he, he's he's a leader. Yeah. And you know he's shown he can lead the team to wins. 
all those things that don't give me any fucking points for fantasy football. All right, well, I'm just making sure that you, you like the guy in, in some capacity. But also, I don't think he's a top 10 NFL quarterback. If you want to put him in the 11 to 15 range, I'm perfectly fine with that because he doesn't take the downfield shots and he doesn't... He, I don't know if Amari Cooper was, wasn't there, if he could you know, be this great, great passer. Okay. Um, we'll see. I think uh, I like him because, again, I think the value's there. You see, when, when I look at a fantasy quarterback uh, calculator, it looks like he's going high. He's like the sixth quarterback going. I, that's I'm that's not, the problem for I, me. But I'm not seeing that in, in, in mock drafts I'm doing. I've seen him do Drafts that. Drafts were in. We took we took our uh, Kirk Cousins over a car in that tenth round. Yeah, but what was Kirk Cousins still in that league? The seventh quarterback off the board because Derek Carr came off what within four two picks, picks, four picks, something later, like that. Picks, yeah. Um, so I just have seen Carr the value be a little. I, I, I think the public. Draft. I think the public is much higher on Derek Carr than the experts. Yes. Okay. I mean, you can even see that on fantasy pros. They have their ADP versus expert uh, expert rankings, yeah. and Derek Carr has like a minus five ranking because yeah. he's going every, higher in ADP than people that. have. So th- that's that's the thing with me is I just if I'm going to take the sixth quarterback, I'm not like I'm not going to take the sixth quarterback, and if I am, I'm going to wait around and take like the guy that's the ninth or the tenth. That that's mainly my thing is. In regular leagues, Derek Carr will go higher than you think. Okay. Maybe you're right. Um, all right. Let's move on to who's our next guy? Marcus Mariota. Should, so, we, should we cover and do a, uh, a, little, a little? After Marcus okay. Mariota. After Mariota, we'll listen to some. So, of quarterbacks with you know less than or more than 100 passing attempts, Marcus Mariota had the second highest air yards. So he's a guy who attacked it, and you know he will throw down the field. And we saw Rashard Matthews get some deep plays. We know Marcus Mariota needs to work on that deep ball accuracy a little bit more, but he will attack the sticks on every play. You love Corey Davis. I'm starting to come around on um, seeing Corey Davis healthy. I'm still not going to put him as a fucking wide receiver too uh, in my rankings just because there are so many – great wide receivers in the NFL today. The depth of the position is unbelievable. And just knocking one of those guys out for an unproven rookie just seems I think like I, a little, I, 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 push. I agree with you. I think what you're referring to is a piece that I, I wrote, but I don't love him as a wide receiver too myself. Because you know I'm gonna I'm gonna have I'm gonna come out of those first few rounds with some some wide receivers. I don't think if you're, if you're going the zero wide receiver and stocking up on running backs, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, I think he could be a serviceable, pretty good, uh, consistent guy. But if he's your wide receiver three, I love that. Yeah. I love I that. I mean, I, I think you, he needs to be a wide receiver four for you because we don't know what he's going to be on a weekly basis. It's something you got to see. Of course. Or else, if he is your wide receiver three, you better back it up real quick with the wide receiver four. But... You know, Corey Davis is a guy who kills it run after the catch. So now, if Marcus Mariota is already attacking the ball downfield, and a guy like Corey Davis can add yak after dig routes, and after slant routes, and crossing routes, that's just going to be a boom for him. Yeah. And they added, you know, secondary receiving guys 
like Taiwan Taylor, who can make things happen with the ball in his hands, like Johnny Smith, who can make things happen with the ball in his hands and can play sort of all over the field. And they're using that guy already. We know Delaney Walker is a great yak tight end. Uh, Rashard Matthews really isn't a great yak player right now. Eric Decker is not really a great yak player at this stage. But he's a great red zone target. But he is a great red zone threat. And he has increased his quarterback's touchdown percentage in seasons that he's played with them by one and a half percent on he's, average. He's, he's awesome. I mean, going back to what you had brought up with both uh, the Patriots and with Atlanta, this is a team that has essentially top three, top four running back tandem, maybe in some people's eyes the, the best running back tandem in the league. So you can they bring that balance to the game. Where now when you're talking about explosive plays, now when you're talking about the act, now when you're talking about that open field down for the passing attack, you have to worry with that amazing offensive line and that um, those two amazing running backs and DeMarco Murray and the man child beast to Derrick Henry. You gotta worry you're not just sitting there and then oh, okay we got no running back situation like three years ago when it was friggin' Bishop Sankey. That is huge for this youngster Mariota who's already just shown a prowess of just like he just gets the thing done. He's a game he does not lose the ball very much. He but he's willing to take risks. Now he they fumbles too much still. Yeah, he, he, did, he, actually, yeah he actually lost five fumbles, right? Um but at the end of the day, they got him uh, his sick weapon and Corey Davis and Eric. I mean, he's just got it. it it's going to be exciting to see what happens to him. Now, going back in, to the quickly to that uh, data force, do you wish we had taken Mariota over? Um, Fuck yeah, every day of the week, but. Nobody's gonna agree with that. I didn't even bring it up. <laughs> no, you did. You did. I was like, I was like, Mariota is in consideration. You're like, nah. Okay, I move it out quickly. But you're like, he's not gonna go for another two rounds. And I, I said, I was like, get him on the way back. I was but like, right. I guarantee you, he goes two, in the next two picks. <laughs> it was two picks, and then it was Carr. You're right. Hey, it's uh, a learning lesson. And 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 I and at that point, we did take a chance on Corey Davis, but he wasn't signed. Uh, and the only thing with Mariota that scares me a little bit is he is coming off a severe injury. I think he's going to be fine. They're saying he's so going to be fine. So is Derek Yeah. But it wasn't his with the, uh, No, his broken leg. Broken leg is... is, is, is Pretty much the same that. for both players, right? I thought he hurt his ankle. I thought he fucked up, broke his ankle or something. Mariota's yeah. already in training camp throwing to all these guys. One of the reasons I like Corey Davis is he's pretty much playing 100% of the snaps that Marcus Mariota's playing. He's their X receiver already. Decker has pretty much been only a slot player for them, and they've had Rashard Matthews, so it looks like those two guys are in the lead, but Decker is still one of those touchdown guys that may not have... You know, a huge yardage ceiling anymore, but the touchdowns could be there for him. I love it. One thing, we'll move on. One thing I love about is there's pictures out there of training camp and some of the early OTAs with Corey Davis walking. And this is before Decker got there. Decker's a, a 6'3 guy. But walking with the rest of the receiver guys, this dude is a beast. Uh, all right, before we move on to our uh, next quarterback, how about we listen to this? Jameis Winston. It's nice not to have Houdini here to go off on, on his Winston love. Uh, nah, I'm kidding. I like hearing how much he loves Winston. I, 
But the thing uh, is, I feel like I started out as the Jameis Winston guy, and he started out as the Marcus Mariota guy, and then we somehow flopped. Yeah. I don't get it. But isn't that's isn't besides movie, the point. Isn't there a movie with uh, Lindsay Lohan and like uh, Face that, that that her hermaphrodite woman uh, that was in Halloween, where they like switch personalities? They switch. They become one another. Thirteen going on thirty. Is that what you're going yeah, for? You're going on. You're trying to go on that reference. Yeah, you and Houdini switch bodies. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so let's Wait, ask. Why are you drinking a victory right now? Victories only happen when you draft Marcus Mariota. Uh, <laughs> Dustin Roberts wants to know why are fantasy analysts so high on Jameis Winston this year? Winston threw more interceptions last year than Bortles, and both were close to the same in fantasy production. Deshaun can't be that big of an upgrade for Winston since him missing time every year seems inevitable. My, I'll say I'll answer the quick three responses. SOS, he's got the best SOS at quarterback based on your strength of schedule um, algorithm in our draft kit and what we use throughout a lot of the components on Pyromaniac.com. That's one of them. Uh, two, OJ uh, and Deshaun. I mean, just think and about Chris Godwin. And Godwin, yes, dude. Last year, it was nothing at receiver, nothing at all. But at Brayton Evans. Evans, it was Evans and Bray. I mean, but come on, let's. I, let's. I'll take. I'll take Bray as a Winston made Bray as opposed as the opposite. So there's a lot of weaponry there, and um, you know he's got two four thousand yard seasons. What's what's to think that now with all this addition that he's not going to put that thing up uh, to you know he's basically had four thousand yards but um, I that, those are those are my thoughts on him and the last thing I'll say is Doug Martin suspended what's the running back situation there I like Jaquiz Rogers but are you really thinking that this guy's um, next generation no next level we know what he is um, and they got a lot of youngsters Sims has never really made it and turned into what we thought he could be over the last couple of years been injured these guys th- this is a team that doesn't have a rushing attack this is going to be a fucking chuck it you, you think I, di- I disagree you think they're going to be running a lot with the, who they got remember how did they win football games last yeah, year? Yeah, you've, you've said that before. Like, they stopped letting James yeah, Winston yeah, yeah. have full control of the offense. They made him a game manager. Uh, but the things you like about James... Maybe I hope better than is uh, better than his draft position. McNichols is a crazy, crazy athlete who can catch it. So I like McNichols, but I, I don't think he gets an opportunity anytime soon. It's too deep of a depth chart unless they end up letting one of these guys go. Well, that's a good point. So just say, follow through on what he said. The team and Dirk Cotter started doing much better in the second half of last year. It was They were unbelievable, Evans and, and uh, Winston, last year, the first half of the season. But they started winning games when they started running, having a more balanced pack. Something to consider. I think it's a great point. But the thing is, Deshaun Jackson is one of the quarterbacks or one of the wide receivers who helps his quarterback the most. He, we talked about how Eric Decker does it in the red zone. Deshaun Jackson does it vertically. He will increase a team's yards per attempt nearly single-handedly. Jameis Winston is another guy who will attack the field past the sticks. 60% of his yards came throughout the air. Now that they have other guys like O.J. Howard and Godwin who can run after the catch a little bit as well as catch it. And we know Deshaun, once he catches it, he's usually gone. Yeah. So he's the guy. Gone, he's gone if it's flag or touch football. Yeah. Untouchable yeah. once, once so, in the open field. Uh, 
I think James Winston has some upside, but again, if you're drafting him as the sixth quarterback off the board in the same range as Derek Carr, I do not like it. And there are some cases where he has a pretty high ADP as the sixth or seventh quarterback off the board. If you want to take him around QB 12 to be your starter, I agree with it. Uh, we know that division does not play much defense. You know, playing against the Saints, the Falcons will be a little bit better once they get their cornerback uh, in Desmond Trufant. And, and we expect Carolina to, to make a better rebound from such a porous pass-defending season. But other than that, they don't play any sort of tough competition. As we talked about the easiest SOS. So I like Jameis Winston enough. I don't love him at usually his ADP. Yeah, I agree with that. Here's a question. Two players that we've talked about, and, I, and then I'll segue to the next player we are going to discuss. James Winston right now on Fantasy Football Calculator, ADP-wise, is sitting at ninth. Uh, he's the fourth pick in the eighth round. He is draft, getting drafted two picks higher, or two quarterbacks higher than Kirk Cousins, and three ahead of Marcus Mariota. Would you take both Cousins and Mariota over Winston? Absolutely. Any Next, day of the week. And me too. No, absolutely. Not even. It's, I, I, I'm actually shocked by this. Um, he's going higher than Roethlisberger. He's not our next guy, but I'm just throwing that out there. But who else is going out? He's one, two, three, four, five picks higher than the next guy we're going to talk about, who I would take ahead of James Winston myself in any draft, Dak Prescott. Would you take Prescott over Winston? Refer to tears and say yes. Uh, that might be closer. It, a lot with Dak, I think a little bit of it's going to depend on the help of Ezekiel Elliott, uh, or not the help, the suspension of Ezekiel Elliott. Because I think that can change up the offense a little bit uh, and make things a little bit more on Dak's shoulders, uh, which could be good and could be bad because that efficiency won't be the same without Zeke in the backfield. Um, so there, there's some determining factors. Like, all these guys are up for a little bit of change. Like, I change these guys around in my tiers pretty much simultaneously, like, all the time. Um, me too. The, the question, this range is the, these are the guys. The toughest one for me right now is should I have Dak ahead of Derek Carr? But I think this also depends greatly on league scoring. If you get penalized minus two for fumbles and minus two for interceptions, then I think Derek Carr's a better pick in that respect. But if you have one of those leagues that have no penalties for interceptions or only minus one to where it's a little bit more manageable, then I think Jameis Winston sort of starts coming to the forefront. All right. Can I do something here? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Dak guy. I uh, get a little bit scared that they're not going to let the reins off. And, you know, they're just going to keep – they've got such a sick offensive line with Ezekiel Elliott that they're just going to keep doing what they did last year. And he's going to kind of be more of a uh, – he, he could be an amazing NFL quarterback and franchise quarterback, but that might not translate over to the fantasy football side of things. That's my only fear. We'll know a lot more. He had an amazing rookie season. Amazing. But it was it was he a little bit uh, handcuffed? Were they trying to keep him? Um, not, not trying to do too much. Is that going to stay the same, or are they going to kind of open it up a bit? With Dak, I think he's got some upside, but I also don't think they're going to open it up. Like This is the team they built for a reason. Because they know, you know, two years ago, 
three years ago with Tony Romo when they had DeMarco Murray carrying the rushing load with this offensive line. It's winning football. With defenses getting lighter and lighter, running power just smashes. So it's a very effective game plan for them to sort of play a tight-knit game. But Dak showed such incredible efficiency taking care of the ball and you know throwing touchdowns when asked upon and even rushing a few in. Even though he wasn't called upon to run it that much, that's something that's also a big part of his game. So I, I like Dak to progress in some ways, but also regress in that sort of turnover margin that is, you know, was crazy, you know, nearly historic, you know, historic for a rookie, yeah. just how well he took care of the ball. So that's one thing I, I'm a little bit concerned about. Um, overall, if Zeke's gone, you know, this offensive line isn't what it was last year. They did lose two starters from that offensive line to free agency. So, well, they have a replacement in Lyle Collins, but is it going to be as cohesive as it has been the last couple of years? Are you um, hit six rushing touchdowns last year? What are your thoughts on? Is this something that just because of Dez on the outside, Witten savviness, and Ezekiel Elliott. Do you think this is something that he's going to be able to be a four to six touchdown guy? Yeah, I think or do you think six. this is an outlier season? Just no, I don't think it's an outlier season. I don't think it's super, super on the high end. I don't think six is outside of the range of outcomes. But I don't think it's high on the probabilities. I think he's more in the four, four touchdown range. Uh, rushing, which is going to change a little bit if you're depending on your scoring format. If he's a, you know, if it's a six-point passing touchdown league, it's a little bit different having a guy like Dak as opposed to a four-point passing touchdown league, to where those rushing touchdowns, you know, are going to add some points to his total. So that's something I look at. You know, league scoring matters. For all rushing quarterbacks. No yard league. That's what we need to be yelling right now. We know that. Um, cool. You got anything else you want to you wanna talk about on uh, Dak? I think Dak's a player that I know we'll be talking and discussing plenty between now and the season just because there's, there's, some, there's some question marks and things happening in Dallas that, that need to be answered. Um, all right. So I changed tabs and we'll back to quarterbacks. All right. No, court, the next quarterback, Ben I'm saying this is my last season, Roethlisberger. Has he officially said that? No, but he oh. said he's, he's he's scared of the uh, uh, CTS, and he, he you know I think he's just trying to do the Michael Jordan get like as much. He's trying to do single year contracts for the next uh, couple of years, <laughs> close it out on some high notes. Um, Roethlisberger, I have no idea why. But he's just not a guy that I really has ever, in his whole career in fantasy, has never really interested me. Um, and I, he's not, I don't think I've What's his ADP it. now? ADP for Brent Roethlisberger, what I say? He's one behind. He's 10. He's one behind Winston. So he's, 10, Here's he's the going thing. in the middle of the eighth round. Here's the thing with Ben Roethlisberger for me. The reason I was never interested is because people were saying you should draft him over Drew Brees, which was insanity. Yeah. Like, Drew Brees is the most consistent quarterback of the last decade. Um, I would ben say that Ben Roethlisberger, sorry to interrupt you, I apologize. Ben Roethlisberger is the most overdrafted quarterback of the last 10 years. At least the last three. Uh, Since Antonio Brown's really came to the forefront, yes. 
Before that, he was fairly priced, but everybody had these high expectations, expecting Ben Roethlisberger with 16 games with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, he's just going to smash. Well, I think that's definitely a possibility, especially the addition of Martavis Bryant if he is to be reinstated, which everyone expects to happen, just hasn't happened yet. Uh, it's one of those things that that could be that sort of special season where they all get it together. So I'm willing, as the 10th quarterback, to take that gamble. If he was the 6th or 7th quarterback again, I wouldn't be willing to pay the price. It's all about, you know, he falls in that tier where they're all sort of in the same point projection range. Uh, With these guys, though, Ben Roethlisberger could be in line for a big season. Le'Veon Bell hold out um, withstanding. We've got to see when he gets back in camp, if ever, uh, or if he's going to hold out to miss some games waiting for his money. That's a major question, but if all three of the killer bees are on the field together as skill position players, it's going to be good times. The home road splits are concerning, but I think if you're getting them as one of your last QBs, you can then come back around and get a complimentary player uh, to play in those tough away games like you know, against the Ravens and stuff like that. I think he'll be better than you expect on the road. One of my favorite um, pieces that uh, you, uh, I'm pretty sure you man it, so my brain is, is mush this, to the night, but uh, the top positional weeks, um, he had the seventh best top positional weeks uh, last year. He had eight QB1 weeks in his 14 games that he played. So that's that. that means that you're gonna get you're gonna get a QB one out of him most most weeks, and it's probably those splits you're talking about where you're not. Um, so that that's pretty impressive. I it, you just, it reminded myself that I've got to add top positional weeks year end 2016 to the resource toolbox. I added a bunch for Pyro Pros that are out there listening right now. Um, at, we added a bunch of resource toolbox um, stories and articles and charts. And I'm actually going to be adding a couple more over the next couple days. Uh, so we're really filling out that um, and updating that over the. And if, just so you know, if you're not a Pyro Pro, please join it. You can ask us direct questions. Uh, we call them second opinions. If you've got a question about anything, whether it's a lineup, whether it's a, uh, a question, a draft question, um, a matchup question, uh, a trade question, a pickup question, whatever it may be, preseason now and in season, you can ask us a direct question on, um, on Pyro Pro. We will answer you within, uh, pretty much, we do it within 24 hours usually uh, much quicker. Uh, but that is a great free feature there. And then we got the resource toolbox, which has got a, a lot of amazing charts, components um, involved in it. So Pyro Pro, 40 bucks for the whole year. That's an entire year, meaning if you buy it now, you, it'll last all the way till the date you buy it a year later. It's not just this season and it ends you know, after the Super Bowl or after the regular season's over. So worth it if you want to go month to month, you can do that uh, for $10 a month. Uh, and then if you want to go week to week, it's $5. But in all honesty, 
just do the $40, use it, ask questions, fill up your dashboard uh, with the players that are on your teams, news feeds, uh, stories, articles will all be fed to you from there, and uh, you can ask direct questions. So basically what we think of uh, with Pyro Pros is if you're a Pyro Pro, we'll take care of you. <laughs> Whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, Second Opinions or whatever, all you basically got to do is be like, hey, I'm a Pyro Pro. It's like, all right, we got you covered. What do you need? Um, anyway. You got anything else you want to talk about with Big Ben? Nope, that's about it. All right. I'm going to give you the uh, little uh, the, the baton here in the mic to uh, talk about our, our 13th ranked uh, QB, and that's Cam Newton. So Cam Newton has some concerns. Do, is he going to take back that rushing workload uh, to get guys like Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel the ball out quick? And that's going to be a major factor. Also, is he going to run near the goal line at such a high rate as he has in the past? All those things are major, major question marks. What we do know about Cam is he loves to attack downfield. Now, if he can add that sort of short passing component to his game, it could really take it to the next level. But all the question marks with sort of health, the strength of that offensive line, whether he can adapt to sort of a completely new system, make this a little bit of a tough pick of Cam Newton. I've got Cam Newton a little bit higher than 13th in my rankings. I've got him ninth. I think I've also dropped him down a couple positions uh, recently. I think Cam Newton's down. Nope, he's still at ninth. Um, but Cam Newton has concerns, but he, we also know his upside. I don't think he's going to give up all of the rushes near the red zone. I think that's a big part of his game. But a lot of his runs are designed runs. Nearly 75% of the plays Cam Newton runs on are designed quarterback runs. They're not scrambles when he's trying to pass. This is a guy that is a passer first when he drops back. And, so, and they've said this week that he's not happy about some of the play calling changes that might happen this year about stopping or pulling back the reins a little bit on that rush. And he's like, screw that. It's a huge part of my game. This is what I am. I know I got a little banged up with some, some action last year, but uh, let's, not, let's not try and you know, put a new, uh, n- new pair of uh, clothes on me. I am what I am. Yeah. I, can't, I, I really like Cam's upside. We know it's huge. The, the big, big weekly games aren't there. But, but I also have some concerns. Ted Ginn's gone. He was a great deep threat for them, even though he dropped some passes. Uh, hopefully Curtis Samuel can step into that role. But if they expect to use that guy underneath a ton, who really steps into that role? Because we know it's not Devin Funches. We know it's not the 243-pound Kelvin Benjamin. We know that Benjamin can win in the red zone, but... A guy like Greg Olson could see some good opportunities because you can use Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey off of him. And you can use him more as an in-line tight end where he really succeeds. So there the is... most talent this guy's had, ever had. Oh, absolutely. So let's, let's see if everything comes together, they gel. He used to play with Jericho Cotri and finish as a top 10 quarterback. God. Yeah, I mean, it's the most, let's be honest, it wasn't uh, wide receiver, the wide receiver two last year was Devin Funches, wide receiver two 
three years ago was friggin' Philly Brown or something. You know, it's just like this guy's had some terrible talents um, around him, and now they've, they've, they've changed that and eradicated it. And I think Cam's savvy enough of a guy uh, to utilize those talents, and the coaching staff and Shula and all them are just going to figure out how to make things happen. And uh, it's, I think Cam's ego has been lifted a little bit, and he just wants to get back to that Super Bowl and, and actually bring the ring home. And the best way for him to do that is to be able to distribute this thing and not make it all about Cam inside the five. Yep. Let's move on to the next quarterback. Let's talk about Andy Dalton. Uh, Dalton's one of those guys that could be the last starter. He's got all the weapons in the world. He's got one of the best receivers in the league in A.J. Green. When healthy, he's got one of the best tight ends in the league in Tyler Eifert. He's got the fastest player in the NFL in John Ross. Have you seen some of the? Have you seen some of those like training camp little quick videos that he's? Have you seen the cuts at this? And I've said this before the draft and some of the stuff that I saw when he was on Washington. He's not just this fast guy. He's a precise A plus route runner. I mean, I think I'm starting to think we're. I, I I'm with you. I don't want to get too caught up in too many rookie players because those are the years that my team suck. But there's something that tells me this guy's going to have a better year than I was giving him credit for. I don't think so, just because of overall targets and opportunity. Because we know AJ Green's going to get his. We know Tyler Eifert's going to get his. Is Eifert Garrett is starting week one? Is he all healthy and everything? They're close to bringing him back, it sounds like. Or, or they could have just brought him back today or yesterday. Um, I'm not saying, hey, I'm not saying Ross is going to be a ridiculous uh, fantasy football guy at all. I think he's better for he's the team, team than yeah, he is and I agree. for. But he's not yeah. just some guy that's running. He's not Ted Ginn that's just running the, the, the go route. I agree and with that. He can make things happen, and he's actually probably going to be able to sell that cut and that, and that, uh, that out so much that they're going to be so worried about him going behind him that he's just going to probably get a lot of 12 yard catches. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, Joe Mixon's a great receiver. Gio Bernard back fully healthy. It looks like only eight months after tearing his ECL. He's looked great. Wow. Uh, but just Joe Mixon, he just added a new dimension so far. Uh, there's a clip of basically Jeremy Hill running and then sort of falling down to an arm tackle. And then Joe Mixon the next play, same play, opposite side, breaking off a 50-yard run. So... Just all the weapons around this guy, skill position-wise, are the best he's ever had. But this is also the worst offensive line he's ever played with. And Andy Dalton is a guy who's really struggled with pressure. But typically for fantasy success, you don't have to have a great offensive line. We've seen a great performance out of Blake Bortles finishing this as QB5 with the fucking awful offensive line. Yep. We've seen a lots of different instances of bad offensive lines not mattering for fantasy success. Well, um, the one thing also is, and, and this is the only, you never know if it's just people, uh, coach, it's not coach people, just people talking up their team, but uh, with that loss that you said of uh, Zietler and Whitworth, there's a fact that he doesn't seem, in interviews that I've seen with all of them, he doesn't seem worried about those losses. He's like, you know, everyone's going to man up, everyone's going to fill their role. So, I, I've got to think he's a smart enough guy that, that yeah, maybe he knows something we don't on this offensive line being a little bit better than kind of, you know, all the fantasy football talk on that all of a sudden it's just going to be a shitty uh, O-line. The thing is, they have spent draft capital in previous yeah, years exactly. on the offensive line. 
Now it's time for those guys like exactly. Jake Fisher and Cedric Agamboudier to step up. Um, and wasn't Fisher like a top, a second, top pick. second pick overall? No, so, second round. Second round. Okay, I'm thinking of some of that other guy that came. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Um, uh, but the, the only real concern with Andy Dalton is that sort of offensive line. Other than that, it's hard to find a wart in his game. What he His numbers with both Eifert and A.J. Green on the field, those are big, big splits for him. If he gets that back, he could be in line for another tremendous season. So I like Andy Dalton as a starter um, when, I, when I need to get him as one. If he's a backup, you know, if you pair him with the Ben Roethlisberger's of the world, I think you could have a pretty good time with that. Um, his, his, his touchdown number should definitely go up. And we know he's going to have 4,300 yards passing. Yep. Uh, let's move on let's to Phillip Rivers. But before we move on, let's take a gander at this. You probably saw the same screen. <laughs> as, as say, I hope you love the look of that of, of that previous sponsorship ad. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, what I do love the look of is Philip Rivers and the San Diego Chicken. Uh, who now is the LA Chicken, but um, Rivers. God damn, we got a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of. This guy's been in the league. He's got we got a lot of pros and cons for this mofo. Uh, Rivers. He's a guy that some people love and some people want to stay away from. It's age, but it's another dude that's just got a shitload of talent around him. Always gets it done. He, I agree with you. He's outside of that I'm happy to start him's world. But Philip Rivers, he kind of always overachieves and overproduces. My thing with Philip Rivers is you sort of know what you're going to get on a weekly basis. And it's like QB 13 to QB 16. He had three top positional weeks last year yeah. where he finished as a top 12 passer. And that's behind. That's tied with fucking Carson Wentz. That's a lower percentage than Eli Manning and Joe Flacco and Sam Bradford and Blake Bortles and fucking Blaine Gabbert. Seems like, so weird because you look at this, just the pure stats and... He's old, He's only one season under four thousand yards. In his like he's career. gonna get you sixteen. And he's got a shitload. He's always top top twenties, lower to mid thirties touchdowns. Yeah, it seems he's so weird. You, the thing is, he's struggled with turnovers the last three seasons. Over the last three seasons, nobody has more interceptions than Philip Rivers. Hmm. That offensive line has also caused a lot of pressure for him. He sort of struggles under pressure. He's been a fumbler uh, because of the way he holds the ball very high and tight. Defenses know where this guy's going to be in the pocket. He's not one of those guys that move great. Uh, he's one of the prototypical drop-back passers. He gets to his spot and he tries to let it go. If you can't, you can get to him. Yeah. That, that's the thing with Rivers. But on a weekly basis, like he rarely, ever, he rarely ever finishes outside of the top 20 in a week. But... Last season, he rarely ever finishes in the top 12. And that's what scares me is taking Phillip Rivers as that player. He's never going to win you the week. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and the one thing that I love about a Melvin Gordon is the thing that makes me a little more concerned with the way the L.A. Chargers are going. And that's just the fact that now they believe after the rookie year, they're like, yeah, we like Gordon, but whatever. Now they know they've got a, one of the better backs in the league, and they're going to feed the beast. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think Melvin Gordon's going to be good. Uh, I wish Mike Williams could get healthy. They're saying he's progressing, but then they're also saying he's going to miss the whole season. So that's one of those things because I think he could provide a red, an additional red zone weapon that Phillip hasn't really had outside of his tight ends the last couple of years. Keenan Allen's not a great red zone producer outside of his rookie season, uh, but Keenan Allen back healthy, looking full strength, that's good for him. Uh, despite him being a guy who's going to get a lot of those low air yard targets, low average depth of targets type throws. But Tyrell Williams stepped up last season. He was a big, big component. I think their wide receiver core and pass catching core is deep. Um, I'm not sure how deep their running back core is behind Melvin Gordon. That's something that sort of scares me, saying that a guy like Andre Williams is in line to be the number two there, at least as the grinder gives you a lot of pause because of guys with over 300 carries in his career. He's got the second lowest, you know, average yards per carry in the history of the NFL. Like, uh, so so that concerns me. But overall, I'm not excited about Phillip Rivers as my QB1. So I'd go more in the QB2 range. I'd be more apt to start Matthew Stafford and go in with him as my QB1 than I am Philip Rivers, so I think I need to make that reflective change in my rankings. And let's go to that's a perfect segue because running back QB, sorry, not running back QB rank 16 is Matthew Stafford himself. Uh, six straight 4,000 yard seasons. Kind of never, at least in a while, hasn't really blown the socks off anyone in the TD zone. Uh, he had 41 TDs back in uh, 2011, but um, you know, last year he finished seventh. For the, at the quarterback position, uh, he's a QB one. It seems like he always kind of finishes higher than you think, and he doesn't. He's like the Rodney Dangerfield of quarterbacks, and he doesn't get the respect because we go back and we let's look at that uh, that expert league that I was mentioning uh, before, and Stafford is was available deep, deep, deep into it. Um, God damn, he was available. So Stafford went in. No, oh, it wasn't. He was, he was that next round. At. He was the 11th round. But he went after Rivers. Uh, yeah. Went after Dak. Went after Tyron Taylor. Went before Eli and Dalton. Um, and I don't agree with before Dalton, but I agree with before Eli. Oh, um, I, I agree with that, yeah. So Stafford, the thing is... I like, feel like him and Dalton are very... I, 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 like, I like the weapons of Dalton more. That might be... If I was on the clock... And it was like I needed a quarterback, and it was one of those two where I might go Dalton. I'd go Dalton over Stafford. Uh, Stafford look, look, I'm gonna do your thing. I'm gonna look at strength the schedule for him and see what's going on there. The go thing, ahead. the thing with Stafford is, you know, he's gonna get about 600 passing attempts. They're gonna play a fast-paced offense. They're gonna run a lot of no huddle. But you know, over the last couple of years, he's been a guy less apt to take shots downfield. Uh, they've sort of, Jim Bob Cooter sort of pulled back the reins on Matthew Stafford a little bit, and it's you know created increased efficiency with you know two of his highest completion percentage, the, the two highest completion percentages seasons of his career. A guy like Golden Tate, they like to get it out into his hands quick. Marvin Jones is more of that field stretcher. Eric Ebron's not really a field stretcher despite his speed for the tight end position. He's already sort of tweaked a hamstring. 
this is also an offense expected to go with more two tight ends this sets this season after Anquan Bolden played 80% of the snaps last year. Uh, Kenny Galladay is a guy they expect to be a big contributor, but they're probably going to take it a little bit easy on that guy coming from Northern Illinois. But he's got massive sort of upside. Dynasty machine. That guy's an unknown dynasty gem. Yeah, and but his sort of vertical speed and leaping ability is something that they haven't had. So that's going to provide a new dynamic to this team that's been lost since Calvin Johnson. Even Calvin Johnson's last couple of years wasn't quite the vertical threat he was early. Yeah. I think with Galladay, just the only thing I'll say long term is I've never seen, I haven't seen a player since Randy Moss that looks like Randy Moss. Don't, I'm not calling this a hot take. We're not, I'm not saying this guy's Randy Moss. Randy Moss is top five best wide receiver talent the league's ever seen. Guys on a different level. But when he plays, he looks like Randy Moss. I've never seen a, a lanky, taller, Fast off his brakes, like not a great cutter or whatever, but just he, he looks like a Galladay. Uh, quick thing, um, strength of schedule for the um, for weeks uh, for the full season. Excuse me, uh, we've got the Lions are at eight best, or the eight easiest, so that's good. Top there on the top side, and then um, Bengals actually in the bottom side and it, with the twenty sixth. So uh, I. Pretty much agree with you that I would take a Dalton just because of the talent around him. Strength and schedule-wise, uh, definitely looking at talking about one spot in my rankings. Yeah, so, no, no, so it's and, really and, difficult. And I'm just putting this out there. And this is something that I talked about um, and I should do a little promo for it also. is um, We've got a new podcast out on the Pyro Podcast Network. And it's out of our boy, The Heartbeat, from uh, down in L.A. And it's the Pyro Pulse Podcast. And we just recorded our first episode on Sunday and released it, uh, I guess Sunday, uh, but started promoting it yesterday. So check that out. It'll automatically come into your feed. But he's doing a great thing. It's going to kind of be the, uh, the quick hit version where he's going to cover a subject and kind of di- digest that and dive into that. Instead of our long-winded three-hour shows, he's going to be doing more of a, a topic-based Quick hit show, doing mailbags, bringing on uh, people within the industry, bringing on some of our other pyro talents. Uh, it was fun. I did the show with him, and one of the things that I brought up to him while we're talking about quarterbacks as a strategy that I really like to do for every position, but quarterbacks are no difference, is I like to look at this strength of schedule tab in our draft kit or any strength of schedule reference that you use, but why not use ours? We're good. Uh, and look and see in the playoff fantasy weeks, weeks 14 through 16, when you're sitting there and your quarterback's actually playing to win you the league, you've gotten to the playoffs, now you look and see what the strength of schedule is for players you like during the playoffs. And uh, it changes. You know, For the full season, you've got a number, and then for three games, you could be playing shit competition, or it could be your toughest matchup of the year. Uh, and when I look at uh, when I look at the strength, and I'll make this as quick as possible, but when I look at the playoff fantasy playoffs week 14, 15, 16 uh, strength schedule for this upcoming 2017 season, uh, you look and you see that the uh, Bengals are at 25, so still uh, pretty low. And the Lions are in the bottom half as well. So they're at 23. So they've got a tough schedule then. 
If it doesn't really matter, you know, you don't want to go. Too, I don't want to go too granular in, in stats for my team. I'm I'm a heart guy as well. But you look in the Falcons during that time, and Matt Ryan had the easiest schedule in the fantasy playoffs. Um, Drew Brees has the third easiest in the playoffs. So, uh, and then obviously, um, or not obviously, but ranking second, Buccaneers and Winston still have a, a, an easy cakewalk schedule during the playoffs. So, something that's just a strategy out to who are the guys you like and the players you want to draft and you know you want to check out who they're playing when it matters most. I always feel like I'm going to make it to the playoffs, you know? So, there's nothing worse than being like, I, I made the championship game and my team's playing against the best defense in my quarterback or my running back's playing against the best. My running back's playing in week 16 against the best rush D in the league. Make me, that'll make me reconsider uh, which running back I take. Go on it. Yeah, I think that's all I've really got for Matthew Stafford. I, I, I like the addition of Galladay. I, I think he runs in for you know a bit of a breakout if yeah. he can ever get healthy. Um, but let's move on to Tyrod Taylor. I'd be more apt to start Tyrod Taylor than I would be Philip Rivers on a weekly basis. With Sammy Watkins, with Zay Jones, you know, this offense could look a lot different. They're moving Zay Jones around the formation. Uh, we've got a question on Facebook. Let's see the name on it. Uh, Jim Kust- Kutzko wants to know which QB is going to have the most rushing yards. My easy bet for that would be Tyrod Taylor. Uh, they are going to use, you know, what? We got McDermott coming over from Carolina. Did, is there a quarterback who runs the ball in Carolina? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think they know the sort of design runs they used with Cam that they can now use with Tyrod Taylor, who when we look at his percentage of called runs versus – uh, scramble plays looks a lot different than Cam Newton's. He's more on the 50-50 range. So, so I expect there to be a lot of design runs for Tyron Taylor, especially when they don't have a long-term commitment into it. If you get LaShawn McCoy you know, rushing around one edge and Tyron Taylor coming around the other, that's going to cause defenses nightmares, especially out of the shotgun. Cheating uh, McCoy is one of the most effective shotgun runners in the NFL. He's currently in the NFL has the most attempts out of the shotgun formation mm. of any player in the entire league. Mm. Like, you look at a guy like Jamal Charles, who you might think is an effective shotgun runner, Shady McCoy has three times as many attempts as him. Wow. Well, the one thing I, I, I agree with what you say, last year, Ty, Ty God, a.k.a. the T-Mobile one, led all quarterbacks in rushes. Had 95 rushes last year. That was in the shit stain uh, offensive scheme that they had going last year. Now you bring over uh, the, the fellow from Carolina. There's just no reason not to think this guy's going over the century mark on rushing opportunities. And what do we like in our wide receivers, in our rush, in our running backs and catches? And for our quarterbacks, we like looks opportunities, touches, and right now, Ty God, there's no reason to think that he's not going to have the most rushing opportunities of any quarterback in the league. The thing with Ty God is he is a league-dependent player. If you play in a league that gives bonuses for 300-yard rushing, you know, he's not as, or 300 yards passing, yeah, yeah. he's not as valuable as he is in a standard four-point passing six-point rushing touchdown lead. Knowing your league is important for that. Uh, 
I play in a lot of 300-yard bonus leagues. In fact, our guy uh, Solid9 had a question. Can you please rank the top seven quarterbacks in the scoring format? Not doing that. Uh, five points for every 100 yards thrown. Five points for... Uh, 300 yards, another five bonus points for 400 yards, and one point for every five rushing yards. By the way, Solid Knight sent me the text of all his rules, and he's like, he asked me all these questions. I love you. You're Duncan. You're one of the greats. You're one of our best fans, and you're one of my homies, even though we've never had a beer together. I do love you, but your questions are madness. (laughs) (laughs) So, we're not going to rank the top seven. But with that one point... So I was like, what do Stags and Houdini say? I text back, like, they're sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2 a.m. It's 2 a.m. Uh, so, you know, guys with these big, big point bonuses, uh, this is probably... I'd probably play this like a regular league. You know, because Tyrod gets one point for every five rushing yards. If he rushes for 50 yards a game, that's 10 points. That's just the same as sort of getting that 300-yard bonus at uh, five points. So I play like pretty normal league. I don't think I'd also... I'd still play late-round QB. Uh, He basically... What we came to is he was going to... He thought he was going to go Aaron Rodgers pretty early if he was around in the first or second round. Um... Because there's a lot of big explosion touchdowns, a big yardage touchdown, but you get a little more for the running. So I was like, if he's there, you know, and you want to do it, go for it. Um, quick question that I had on, um, ah, I'm gonna speak. Oh, so here, here's something that I that you pointed out to me in in times past. Tyrod Taylor in that standard normal format, seventh or eighth quarterback last year, eighth up ahead of. Mariota, Dalton, Wilson, Carr, Brady, I'm Brady, suspended, Cam, Roethlisberger, ahead of all those guys, Eli, ahead of all of them, um, not too many, and then you go back to 2015, a little bit lower, 15th, and that was the first year really he ever had a chance. To but why was he 15th? How many games did he play that season? There you go, 15th, uh, that's I got, sorry, am I? 14 games, and that was the first time he ever kind of they they got him. It was before that he was a season backup. So Tyrod Taylor is that sneaky assassin. It, it just depends on lead type a lot for me with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, he's another guy that minimizes turnovers. So if you play in the minus two sort of realm for mistakes, then he's better in that league than he is in a minus one. All those things sort of add up, and you really have to look at the projections uh, and use minus, you know, know your scoring system to set those up. Yeah, love it. Let's move on to the next one, then. You love that? Yeah, I'm down. I'm down with that program. Sorry. I was... So right now, we're going to enter, what, Eli Manning territory, and right now, after Tyrod, is pretty much where I'm super uncomfortable if I don't have, like, uh, I'm not very comfortable with Philip Rivers. I sort of mentioned that. Uh, I'm fairly comfortable with Tyrod and with Andy Dalton. But if we get to Eli Manning and he's my starter, I'm worried. Uh, that That's one issue I have. Personally, I, that's my cutoff point. So if you're playing late rounds, QB, keep that in your mind. Uh, Eli... 
got has new weapons. Evan Ingram's looked great so far in training camp. They're talking about how they're going to use the crap out of this guy. Brandon Marshall's been a touchdown magnet, and Sterling Shepard was last season. The, the question is, can this offensive line give Eli Manning time to throw, get the ball out to all these receivers? And I think Paul Perkins and Shane Vereen coming back from injury will have a positive effect uh, on the running backs out of the backfield. I love all the weapons. We've just seen Eli sort of play like poo-poo over pretty much the last last couple seasons here. Uh, he did have his one of his best or the best fantasy season of his career back in 2015, but last year sort of fell off a cliff. I think he's somewhere in between there. I'm just not comfortable starting him on a weekly basis. This is also a team with a run game uh, with big question marks, but their defense is highly, highly effective. Uh, They were very, very good last season, so they may choose to play a little bit more conservatively with Eli Manning, who's thrown, you know, from the last time he threw a single or just 10 interceptions, it was 2008. I think I test for me when I watch the games. He just seems like it's 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 a rough run so many times. He's obviously a two-time champion, uh, but it just seems like he make he misses a lot of plays. Obviously, when you got ODBJ, uh, it's 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 every second is a, it could be a 90-yard touchdown. But Eli Manning does not of all these quarterbacks. I felt the same way about three years ago for a couple years with Phillip Rivers. Just felt like, God damn, he just made a bunch of shitty plays and lost their offense opportunities to uh, go down the field. A lot of interceptions, a lot of missed balls. I just feel that way when I watch Eli Manning. I completely agree with you that if Eli Manning is my QB1, my team is going to give me uh, whatever the opposite of uh, Viagra is. That's what it's going to give me. Indy? It's going to give me an Indy. No, it's gold. Why is gold? That's a good one. Let's, oh talk, about, let's talk about Carson Wentz. Yeah. Uh, Carson Wentz, I, I don't like him as my – like, I'm past the point. All these guys I'm not really comfortable with as my starter. They, they've got to be QB2s for me. Uh, I think Carson Wentz has some upside with all the added weaponry in Torrey Smith, in Alshon Jeffrey, and sort of how he got on the same page with Zach Ertz at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. The run game, I think that could be a little bit improved with Blunt, but this is also a team that likes to run the shotgun a little 13% more than the Patriots. So how is LeGarrette Blunt going to uh, appear in that? And it's not going to – Ryan Matthews might not have caught a lot of passes – but he's had seasons where he can catch. I've never seen one from LeGarrette Blunt. So defense has made a key in on this guy. Uh, the offensive line, it looks like they added a lot of talent there in the draft. These guys look like they were underrated players. So I'm excited to see how they gel, especially with Lane Johnson coming back from suspension. He was a guy in, in games with Carson Wentz and Lane Johnson – Pressure was much different, but... That's the guy I was thinking about earlier, the second overall pick, Lane Johnson. Fastest offensive line guy ever at the Combine. Um, I don't know if that's still true. It's not true anymore? That's, I, 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 I believe Teron it. Armstead. I be, really? For the I Saints, believe it. blew it. I but, believe uh, it. Overall... 14 fumbles last year. 
But one thing I think that's a nice X factor for Wentz is the fact that I think they're going to let him run a little bit more. I think he's going to be yeah. able to kind of – I think he wanted to really be a pocket passer. And what level of runner do you think he is? Not not crazy, but he's a talent. He's a. Ta- I think he's okay. Aaron. I think he's Aaron Rodgers esque. Oh, so he's not he, Andrew Luck. He's a tier below in the Aaron Rodgers sort of run range. I think That's that fun. he's able to use his arm and smart enough to see that pocket. I think he's more like a Dak Prescott than Aaron Rodgers, where it's like he, he doesn't want to do it, but when all the defenders have their backs to him. And someone in the, in the middle, the linebackers are, are focused on something else. He sees that open field, and he's he's a, a good enough athlete to, to make use of. So it. I, I'd say he's a Jay Cutler level runner. Okay, that, that's pretty much my, my comp running wise. Uh, yeah, I don't really want to talk about Carson Wentz. He's a yeah. guy who struggled under pressure. We'll see if he can do it. He faced a lot uh, of sort of different boxes and teams are real exotic with them. Um, I wonder how much that's going to play in. But I also think he plays in a fairly tough division now. These games are going to be real competitive. But his defense should be awful again in the back end. They've got a great front seven. In the back end, I don't think they have anybody worth note besides Malcolm Jenkins. Corners are going to have a tough time. So it could cause some you know, garbage time points for once. Yep. All right, let's go on. Let's go to Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. I have, I like, and then I have some concerns. That's uh, the way I feel wait, about it. Like, he, here's my thing. If your coach. The high floor out, out down into the, the, the desert. If your coach comes out and says, I want Blake Bortles to have zero passing attempts, I'm a little bit concerned. <laughs> but. They said that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They, they want to run this offense through Leonard Fournette. They want to be a run-first team. I just don't know if they have the offensive line, especially after the retirement of Brandon Albert, to really be a ground-and-pound style team. Luckily, the guy they did draft in the second round from Alabama, Cam Robinson, is a mauler in the run game. Him and Leonard Fournette should be able to make some nice things happen. I really like Leonard Fournette this season. But I think he's going to give Blake Bortles a little bit more opportunity on the outside to make some of those deep throws, which he missed on. And I think it'll you know rebound Allen Robinson a little bit, not back to you know 2015 form, but enough to maybe get over that 1,000-yard mark. I think Allen Hearns being back healthy, Marquise Lee being back healthy, the addition of uh, Anthony Fasano there as a blocking tight end will also be great for Leonard Fournette. I, I just worry about this overall, you know, sort of, if he's only going to complete less than 60% of his passes and he loses, like, 60 pass attempts, it's going to be bad for his overall numbers. So that's, so that's my main concern, is how they want him to sort of change this offense. I think you're going to know within the first three to four weeks of this season, men, quarterback's the most cerebral, mental position in all, in a, in one of them in all sports. And he obviously had an ego chop last year, uh, and he was struggling. He walked off a lot of three and outs, um, last year, pissed, yelling at himself, slamming his helmet, kind of like Eli, not passing that eye test. 
And I don't know. I, I think he's a, a good enough guy, and I think that now, like you said, they're going to not take the focus off him in the passing attack, but he might not be able to recover from a purely uh, a confidence standpoint. I don't and disagree I, with that. And I think we're going to know if he starts lighting it up and he looks like the guy from two years ago that was awesome and putting up fantasy points at, at high levels, we'll know soon, and that will be a great showing sign for what he can do this season from a fantasy perspective. If he comes out in the first few games and it's more of these Dudski situations, it's going to be just one of those ones where they're just trying to get through the season to find their next quarterback. And he's going to know it, and everything about it is just going to reek of holy shit. Every time you're on offense, you'll be looking at Bortles, and he's going to know it, and he's going to know all people are watching, and he's going to kind of implode. So... For me, like I said, I love his ceiling. If he can get back and get that confidence, the floor is um, is, is, is is abysmal. Yeah, I, I do think it could just all fall out. I mean, with the improvements in the defense, with the improvements in the run game, the overall numbers of attempts and garbage time points that he's been able to push up could just fall off the board. But... That's something we're going to need to see. That's why I'm not willing to draft Blake Bortles as a starter, despite, what, two straight top ten seasons, depending on your scoring format. Yeah, Yeah, and he had more. In that shit season last year, he had more 300-yard games than he did in the previous season. So it just shows you there's such a, like, different dynamic of how you can get your fantasy points, as we just covered with uh, a guy like Tyrod Taylor. Um, would you take the next guy over Bortles? Um, I just made that change in my rankings. So you're, 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 you'd go Palmer over Bortles? Yeah, I mean, David Johnson, potentially even his greatest asset is as a receiver. <laughs> Carson Palmer gets points for that. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Fournette, sort of the opposite. Maybe only a two-down grinder. I think he's better as a receiver than people give him credit for. Yeah. But... We know David Jan- Johnson is a David Jansen is a great asset as a wide as a wide receiver either out of the backfield or split out wide. Is so get, I don't think I think his humble abodes. He's not going to be asking for wide receiver two money when he gets his. Receiver. I think I would. <laughs> I would. He's got, he's got two more years to get to that level, and with the way he started off his career, it's tough for him not to ask for those things. Uh, looking, get looking at other things. Can I do what, look at one more thing? Mel Verde, when I touch your lips. Go ahead. Uh, you know, hopefully a healthy John Brown, uh, a guy like J.J. Nelson putting on a little bit more weight. You know, getting more acclimated to the NFL. The addition of a bigger speedster uh, and Chad Williams. Uh, all those things make me to believe that this is a little bit of a deeper wide receiver core than it ended up being after sort of Michael Floyd's quick demise, John Brown's sickle cell injuries. Uh, as long as John Brown's healthy, I think this could be an effective sort of team to go off of. If they, we know this is a team that will attack the field vertically. Larry Fitzgerald looks like a lock as long as he still stays healthy, catch 100 passes. David Johnson, you know, either on play action, from under center, from shotgun, seems like he can sort of do it all. So that, they're, that's talking, they're talking thousand, which I love. They're talking, let's get David Johnson a thousand, thousand. 
Let's just this guy is worthy of it. He should be getting it. Let's get this guy a thousand thousand. One question I got, and it's, it, 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 it is in part uh, with Carson Palmer, but do you think just for you, John Brown, is he overrated right now? Is he? Do you think coming in and his ADP and how people are? St- Kind of really excited or kind of off. A lot of people have him as a sleeper. I'm not. But, but his ADP isn't usually elevated like the sleepers. What do you got him on fantasy football calculator? Uh, Usually, when he's on a sleeper list, you'll see a guy have a little, like Dante Moncrief, Devontae Parker. They seem to go higher than they should. I don't feel like when I see John Brown drafted that it's a bad pick. Uh, okay. Because we know he has thousand yard season sort of in, so then, well, you know, in his range of outcomes. I like What's he being drafted as? Forty. He's the forty first wide receiver. So he's in, in a twelve man league. He's the ninth, ninth round, fifth fifth pick in the ninth round. And then, so forty first wide receiver going just behind a Cobb, going above guys like Terrell Williams, Cameron Day, uh, Meredith, and Corey Davis. I might uh, disagree with some of the names. Uh, some. So I, I feel like ninth or tenth round, he's worth taking a shot because we've seen his high range of outcomes yeah. uh, in, in previous seasons. This is a guy who could score long touchdowns. He's a guy who could have a thousand yard season. So I, I like John Brown. I'm not completely sold. I, I think I got to see him in a preseason game. I think what you'll have. what you'll find with John Brown is what kind of what you said with Derek Carr, that 500 yard game was 17% of his total. Like, John Brown is going to have, the, he's more like the Deshaun Jackson. He's going to have some bust out, two, maybe three huge games, but you're going to see there's going to be a lot of dud factor situations, and I think that's what's going on. But anyway, we're talking about quarterbacks. I just see a lot of people love him, and a lot of people that are just like, whatever, and then I'm one of those guys just like, In the I think he's good, but now the way you pointed out, at 41... You're going in that Deshaun Jackson of old mold where you want those couple huge games and you're willing to take some dust. He's your wide receiver four, so yeah. you know you can take a gamble there. Uh, next quarterback we have is Joe Flacco at 22. I moved Joe Flacco down a couple spots, missing yeah. a lot of the preseason potentially with a back injury. They say it's getting better, but then there's also reports that he could miss a week or two. Joe Flacco's a streamable option. Um, other than that, I don't have a lot to say about it. I, don't I think they've got – I mean, the, the Ravens are just falling like flies. Yeah. Rocket Gilmore down for the season. They're kind of uh, cursed at the tight end position. Yeah, sure. After Dennis Pitta and Darren Waller suspended for the year, they're starting to look a lot thinner there than they were earlier. Right. So I think it could be a lot of three wide receiver sets in a high-volume asset, especially after they lost Kenneth Dixon, who might have been their best runner. Potentially, I, I wasn't sold on that, but he he was the least in competition. Yeah. So now Danny Woodhead is probably their best all-around running back. Wasn't Dixon already missing four games and then yes. he got hurt for the whole season? But my favorite quote that, uh, last week uh, from Flacco when they were talking about Kaepernick coming in, he's like, yeah, I love Kaepernick on the team. I think he'd be a great addition. He's like, I don't want him like competing for the starting job or something, but I'd love him to come here and have some fun. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's like, let's bring him on as long as you're not making sure that uh, this is my competition. He was thinking about the McDonald's commercial back from when they played each other uh, in the Super Bowl. Um, let's go on to uh, QB23, Sammy Bradford. A reason to like Sam Bradford is his team probably can't be as injured as it was last year. They added, you know, Dalvin Cook in the draft. Laquan Treadwell's another year older in the NFL. He's starting to use his hands to fight DBs um, and, and catch passes, I guess. But uh, <laughs> he, he's, I guess. he sort of looks like... So I've heard. So he sort of looks like he's making some strides. I don't know how involved he's going to be. Adam Thielen, you know, showed some things. Stephon Diggs back healthy. Kyle Rudolph, all their running backs to sort of catch passes out of the backfield, which is exciting. Uh, and also, he seems to be in an offense under Shermer that he really, really likes. A high tempo, quick pass. Get it out of your hands, quick. Get it to the players. Uh, and let them run after the catch. And Sam Bradford, like Derek Carr, is a guy with that, who lets his receivers do the work. He gets it out, he knows what he's good at, and he lets them do the work. Well, you remember a year ago he got traded right before the season started. He was behind the eight ball, had to start, start week one. Didn't start week one. Didn't start, but had to learn the offense, and they knew that he was starting right away. Um, I'm basically, you said Sherman's the coach, but at that point. It was uh, Norv Turner. Yeah, Norv Turner, exactly. Norv Turner was the offense. He quit. Football, what week four-ish or something? I think I it was know. more like middle of the season. Okay, middle of the season, but because they were six and zero at one point, right? At one point, yeah, that's right. They were. They started six and zero. Norton quit, and also there was a lot of there's a lot of moving stuff. There's a lot of action happening in that. Moving from uh, Philly, going to Minnesota, ner- learning a new offense, being knowing that. It, Basically, this team thinks they can win now and are relying on you because Teddy Bridgewater. That's got to be a lot of pressure. Now it's like we know that the second half of the season was a real letdown for them. Um, they were looking like one of the best teams in the league. People were talking Super Bowl, literally, we through the first five or so weeks. Uh, I think now everything is just like everyone's better friends. A lot of a lot of changes have happened. Adrian Peterson was kind of a distraction a lot, I think, over the course of the last few years. I think now it's just like, seems like everything's kind of gelled and ready to go. So as far as just a, a cohesive and a working environment for a guy like Stan Bradford, you got to be liking it from that standpoint. If I don't get one of those two top 17 quarterbacks in sort of two QB leagues, Sam Bradford's a guy I like to target as my QB, too. He's got a great strength of schedule. Let's look at the team he plays in the division. Green Bay Packers, trash secondary. Chicago Bears, trash secondary. Detroit Lions, outside of Darius Slay, trash secondary. He's got... He's got the second easiest SOS of all quarterbacks on the full season. He's got a very strong one, I believe. Fourth, fourth Four on the playoffs. through 16. Those things are all great. Uh, Sam Bradford, with all the weaponry around him, with hope, with you know additional signings on the offensive line this offseason, uh, it should be pretty good. We saw him take care of the ball great, get it out of his hands. And he's just not going to hurt you. He's one of those streaming quarterbacks where you know he might get 13 to 15 fantasy points out of him any given week. And with the, those, with the weapons he's got, Thielen being an underestimate, almost a Jordy Nelson-esque, obviously not as fast, but he's got that same body. He throws a fucking sick long ball. He can make some, he can make some long pater kind of plays. Um, 
He's one of the most accurate deep passers in the league last year. Yeah. So Sam Bradford, underrated. I think he could, like, just by being healthy, could finish the season as, like, 16 to 18 with other guys sort of dropping out due to injury. That team. But, but it, it probably won't be exciting for you on a weekly basis. Yeah, and he's not a he, – here's the ter- terrible stat. One, they need the offensive line to improve for him because that guy was lit, walking dead. I mean, he would hike the ball and just get crushed. But uh, a terrible stat um, for him. Or maybe in another light, uh, a great stat. He only threw one TD in 13 of his 15 games. So don't think about him as a guy that's going to come in and be like, on the rag, a three TD week for you. Because uh, last, and maybe that can change, but last year, one touchdown in 13 of his 15 games. That is not a quarterback that I'm excited about playing. Yep. Yep. I mean, he's the safe guy, Ryan Tannehill. The next guy had a little bit more weekly upside, look at top positional weeks. He finished with, uh, I believe, five in his 13 weeks. So he had a pretty high percentage uh, of 38%. And they really came before he got injured. He was really starting to hit his stride. In weeks 10, 12, and 14, he posted top positional weeks. He had his best game of the season in in week 12. So uh, Ryan Tannehill, even though they play a slow brand of offense – that they're expected to sort of maybe speed up a little bit, you know, with JJ. He he has some upside. I just don't. He's got those big blow up games, but his also other games. He might you might be lucky if he scores you twelve fantasy points. He's got high highs, low lows. They're willing to ride JJ when he's hot. Uh, since you know JJ really took over as the starter, he averaged less attempts per game. So that's what scares me a little bit about Ryan Tannehill. Uh, the weapon, the weapons are There's great. The weapons are great, but the volume—I just don't know if it's going to be there. Yeah, there's a lot of unknowns with him. It's shocking that he's actually had some nice. Uh, he's had a couple four thousand yard seasons, but never gone over, never eclipsed the thirty touchdown mark. Uh, coming off kind of a big, uh, a big serious injury. Never a good thing, especially for a quarterback that was drafted uh, as being kind of just this hyper athlete that was a wide receiver for a lot of his college career. Um, We'll see how that changes his mental um, approach to the game coming off that that knee injury. Um, So we'll see. I I think there's two camps. There's the people that believe in Adam Gase and think that he's the whisperer and is going to turn – Tannehill, and he's saying all the right things about Tannehill, and then knowing that a lot, even more people think that uh, Parker is going to all of a sudden become live up to his 16th round, uh, 16th pick in the first round, and gained weight and has size, best shape of his life, and all that stuff. And if every here's the way, basically, it goes: if everything comes together, the stars align, and Jai is one of the next best running backs. And he's healthy, and all the and, and Landry and Parker can get it done. And they also brought in uh, Juliet uh, 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 Thomas. If all of the stars align, Tan Hill could be a real surprise, shocking pick. I just don't know how. But there's a lot of there's a lot of stars that got to align to make that happen. I don't I don't know what his overall positional upside is. 
Like I think Mike Sam Bradford, just by being healthy, taking care of the ball, getting some players healthy, could finish as like a top fifteen player. Yeah. Or a top fifteen quarterback. I don't know yeah, I if Brian Tannehill can get back into that top twelve range playing in Adam Gase's current style of offense. I hear you. Pulling back on the reins. Let's move on. Uh, to Alex Smith, another check down Charlie. But before we do, let's listen to this. Alex Smith is one of the check down Charlies of the NFL. He's a guy with the low air yards completion. Uh, you look at how he sort of maybe struggled with Tyreek Hill last year. The guy averaged under 10 yards of reception for being one of the fastest players in the goddamn league. And you think that it's suddenly going to change, but it's not. You know what you're going to get out from Alex Smith. He's going to take care of the football. He's going to make smart decisions. He's going to run with it a little bit, even though that's sort of waned off here in the latter part of his career. So, overall, I don't think Alex Smith has more upside than the guys we're talking about ahead of him or even behind him. I, like, he's a streamable option that will probably finish, you know, borderline top 20 QB just because he's healthy. I mean, you look at these numbers for passing as a quarterback. It's Just, just don't. You just, you, the TDs are just so bad. There's never been a 4,000-yard season. There's never been a 25-touchdown season. Last year, the only saving grace for him and his fantasy prowess was the fact that he had five rushing touchdowns. But you just look at this guy's career stats, and they're they're just brutal. They're I mean, brutal. Al Smith is underappreciated in regular football. Agreed. Agreed. In fantasy football, he's never going to be more than a bi-week plug-in. Agreed. And that's all I can say. So let's move on to Sean Watson. Who Bill O'Brien is out here praising for his ability to pick up the offense and being unlike any rookie quarterback he's ever had. But to be fair, he's never really had a rookie quarterback to develop. Um, Besides Brian Hoyer behind... Brian Hoyer and and Ryan Like, (laughs) great, great, great. We're talking about a first-round pick here. Let's, Let's be serious. So... Deshaun Watson, I like him because I think he's got a little bit more rushing upside. I love how many pros and cons there are in this draft kit for him. That's hilarious. Heartbeat did it for me. Heartbeat. What a Uh, machine. So, while you like Deshaun Watson is, he might have more rushing upside than you think. Like, look, if he starts week one... The rushing upside and the weaponry he has on the outside, and the apparent rapport he has, guys he has with guys further down the depth chart, like a Braxton Miller, who you really like, uh, and, and with Will Fuller. That I'm liking all their receivers. Their receiving core needs to come together, be healthy, and perform. They've got some names. They've got their top three have some names, even what Jalen Strong as the fourth receiver. They've, they've got some depth there. One of these guys just needs to show up and be the compliment to uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. The tight end position's a little bit underrated with CJ Fedorowicz uh, and your boy Ryan Griffin. The pass catching out of the backfield, I, I think, would be a little bit better than it was last year you know, with Brock Osweiler. Uh, 
Deshaun Watson will put these guys in good spots. He just needs to be the starter from week one. We've got to hear that. Uh, right now, it looks like Tom Savage will probably get the first crack at it. Deshaun Watson should be a guy who plays a lot in preseason soon. Maybe if you want to play him in DFS. Yeah, I let's let's just move on because we got to see we got to see what's going on with this guy. Um, but I hope that he's the I hope he's the guy from day one. Team could use it. I think. Uh, the shot the Every, everybody needs to grow up on this team, so why not let the quarterback grow up while everyone else is doing it? And I, I, I think that even to the backfield. Lamar Miller, he, he's got to step up his game. Uh, the, the, I think Fedorowicz I'm a little worried about. I think he was kind of a fluke, flash in the pan. But all those receivers, Fuller, uh, Braxton, every, everyone's just got to kind of grow up, become – everyone – you were considered a, a Super Bowl caliber team two years ago. The offense and that team's just got a the windows now. Yeah. On the flip side, there's Tom Savage, who you know if he's named the starter, he'll probably be moved up into like quarterback thirty range in the rankings just because he's the starting quarterback from day one. I don't think he'll be any more than a streamable player. But if you're playing in two QB leagues, he's one of those you know dart throws yeah. you can make in, in case he gets a couple starts. Do you think even, just quickly, Savage, do you think Savage, if he is the week one starter, even has a chance of being a season-long starter? He's never thrown a touchdown in the NFL, so I'm going to go I think, I think it, it, no. I but think it could be also, one of those things like give him four weeks and we're then we're just, we just need a little more time for Watson to get this shit and get the speed of the game. So let's move on to the next guy. QB ranked 27, Brian Hoyer. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. What's not to like about this guy? He essentially had he had five starts last year for the Chicago Bears, but it was essentially he got injured in in his fifth start. He had four 300-yard games in his in his previous four starts. I think he only played in six games last year. So that means he had four out of six games started. But again, he got hurt in the last one. This guy is a fan. This is probably the opposite of the guys we're talking about, like John Ross and some of these players we say. For the NFL and for the team, he's great. Alex Smith, he's the opposite of it. He might be the he's – the, he's the – He's not great for your team if you want to be winning at an NFL level. But when it comes to fantasy football, good God, this guy has just shown over the last four-ish years um, since finally kind of given his opportunity that he throws the pill and gets yards and is able to score fantasy points. Yeah, yeah. touchdowns have always been a problem for Brian Hoyer. San Francisco is not projected to score that many, mm-hmm. but he should be able to support a Pierre Garçon and maybe even a Jeremy Curley or and a Marquise Goodwin who's just flying by people, you know. And, and we know Shanahan can scheme for guys with speed as secondary receivers. We saw it with Taylor Gabriel last year, so I think Goodwin's a uh, underrated fantasy asset. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty much. Probably undrafted in most fantasy leagues. Um, We don't know what they're doing at the tight end position as of yet. Uh, You know, George Kittle's getting a lot of the the hype this preseason. He's a a guy that can make some plays, but he was also an effective blocker from Iowa. So, So I like that. Boyer, 
I just don't know if it really matters about the supporting cast because I think he's going to be the starter every game. I don't think CJ beat hard Bethard, but mm, beat hard is better. Um, <laughs> it, it is really not. It's not. It's not an any. It's not an any. It's not, an any, it, not it's, CJ it, any. It's a non-starter for me. Like I, I don't know. That seemed like one of those picks that left you scratching your head. Uh, I just think Hoyer's got the chance to play. You know, twelve plus games. So, with that, and with Pierre Garcon and some other sort of, you know, semi-competent receivers, he should be able to approach, you know, maybe four thousand yards. Uh, when you look at a guy like Alex Smith, who's what never done that, uh, and throw for twenty or so touchdowns. So, I think he's a streamable option. I think he should be. A little bit higher. I, I'd probably put him right in the range of Alex Smith. He's a streamable uh, option, but also best ball, your MFL 10s, your best ball league. This is a guy that's going to have some, you think, if he stays healthy, some moments where he kind of has his, his explosion kind of deals. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's a streamer, and you look at him as well. He's 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 never really he's done it in, in small moments. So yep. let's move on to our let's let's go with Mike. Oh Lennon. yeah, okay. So Mike Glennon over under twelve and a half games is the start. I mean, barring injury. Yeah, you got it. You got to account for injury. I think he play. I think he's. I think he's gonna play the whole season. Okay, me too. I, I go over twelve and a half games. I don't really want to talk, talk about Mike Lennon because I don't think – I think he's a guy who's going to throw for 220-ish yards a game, uh, you know, throw a, a touchdown or two on a weekly basis and, you know, make his mistakes. Uh, I don't think he's going to be great. I don't think he's going to be awful. We've got a question on Facebook um, by – oh, what's this guy's name? Uh, Brian <laughs> Guthrie. As a fellow Chicago guy, I'd like to know your favorite pizza place. I'd like to talk about that much more than I like to talk about Mike Glennon. Done. First of all, I posted a tweet about this. On Saturday, played beer pong from 8 o'clock until 4 in the morning. And we ordered Chicago-style pizza three times in that moment. Deep dish? No, we changed it around. Okay. The first one was all... Uh, um, it was actually Lou Malnati's all thin. Okay. Which is weird. Okay. Yeah. There was no deep dish. Okay. His wife ordered it, came back. Luminati's no deep dish. Alright, but it was like six pizzas. Alright, that was the first order. The next one was a merger of Paisanos, who's a spin-off from Lou Malnati's. Some thin, some deep dish. I think Paisanos is the best thin cross pizza in Chicago. It's my favorite. Um, my favorite deep dish is Lou Malnati's. And I think I know yours. The other one, and we'll, I'll just put it out there. I love a, um, uh, what's the one over on, I'm spacing the name, uh, uh, Pequots. Pequots. Pequots Deep. That little, those, those pans that they're cooking those pizzas in that haven't been cleaned in 50 years and so seven, like, 700,000 pizzas in there. Like that flavor. Um, but obviously all the names that I've mentioned so far had that butter crust. So I like the Chicago style, whether it's thin, deep. I like the butter crust. Pequod sauce. If you want to go to... A, then the last one we ordered, just because it was the only place open, that actually 
either I was shit faced, which I was obviously, but uh, and maybe edible though. Um, but <laughs> Chicago Chicago pizza, not bad. Chicago pizza is legit. Not bad. So, I'll give you a little yeah, bit of the further north side spin on yeah. it. Uh, I got a couple different places. I really like Bocce's for the thin crust. Get those slices that are the size of your fucking head. Almost like the New York style, but yep. a little bit different. For that style, I like uh, Coal Fire as well. The New York style, Coal Fire is good. There's one down uh, uh, Lincoln Park over on Southport, but there's also one here in my hood that's on Grand. Go ahead. Also, there's a place called Pete's Pizza and Pete's Pizza 2. They're my favorite Chicago-style deep dish. Underrated. They're, they're one's on Western and one's on Montrose on I the drive, northwest I drive, side. Really, I drive by Pete's on the Western all the time. It, I, I, it's delicious. Like I don't really like the super super tomatoey gunk on the top because I sort of just peel it off and you know get straight to the cheese. I think it's got the, like the most cheese. cheese to you know tomato ratio. But then I got like this other place um, on the north side called Frank's on Monday nights. You can get two for one pizzas. So wow. during Monday night football, you smash some, you know, a couple <laughs> of Frank's large pizzas. You can get one to yourself and one for the lady. All right. Well, will you invite me <laughs> to the lady, and we'll get some pizzas. Another, I'll, I'll mention some other guys. The Chicago style pizza guy, um, Pat's Pizza, is real. Is a real good thin. Um, that's uh, located in Lincoln Park, I think. Uh, another one that's not too bad as far as pizza goes, La Gondola. Uh, they're over on Ashland, and that's more of an Italian restaurant. They got a lot of good Italian foods all around. But their what pizza, about wood-fired pizzas? I like Sono wood-fired. Sono, yeah. Sono wood-fired is dope as hell. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. It, that's that's kind of how coal fires, I think. I like some of those real hot, hot cooks. But there you go. There's some pizzas. Shy towns ah. You like more of that cheesy... Uh, less um, less tomato saucy. So you like a Giordano's. You like like a Gino's East. Mm-hmm. I love. I like those all, and that's more like Chicago, uh, Chicago pizza. I like those, but I'm more of a less cheese and more of a pan than a deep dish. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the the ones the styles you like. That cheese style is the best for the cook the next day. The reheat on the second half when of that it, large. When, when the cheese just oh, flows yes. out over the entire plate. That, <laughs> yes. I've got that thing on the tin foil, and I'm looking in there, and right when that little shit, that, that little like muffin top starts going <laughs> over the side, I'm like, oh, we got two more minutes. Those pizzas, those very cheesy pizzas, they're awesome. Uh, I love is the recook. So hopefully, hopefully that answers your question. Lou Mal's. Paisano's awesome. All those ones that uh, stag parties uh, mentioned. Shy Town Pizza, legit. Let's move on to a former Chicago Bear. Uh, <laughs> former think, a lot of teams. Yeah, former every team in the fucking <laughs> league. Uh, <laughs> Josh McCown, brother. Over under half the te- half the games. Under eight. Okay. I'm going under. So you think Hacks getting a lot of play? I don't know whether it's going to be injury just because it seems like it happens or they're just going to kind of in the same way they're, they're trying to figure out uh, if Hackenberg is the guy. But, yeah, I just don't think. That's fine. Yeah, I just don't yeah. think he can do it. I, I, I'd probably go. And I love the kid. I'd probably go Wash. Or the old man. I'd probably go Wash. I, I think they're both going to get opportunities. I think it might be half the season that Josh McCown 
you know, plays because apparently the Jets aren't tanking depending on who you listen to. But, <laughs> but overall, I don't think Josh McCown has a lot of upside as a play except out of streaming and even streaming. I think it's going to be hard to find games where you want to play them. The only thing you're looking at is you know, garbage time, and I, I don't really count on that because he's not a very efficient passer. He's not, you know, the weapons there are questionable at best, lots of rookies. When you're you know, essentially on the worst team players. in the league, yeah, it's hard to say, it's hard to look at the schedule and be like, oh, this is the game that I'm going to pinpoint where he's going to, you're the worst team of all. Of all. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on to Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch, yeah. the Denver Broncos quarterback. Who you got? I don't know. I'm not going to make a call on this. So to be honest, I think I think it's Trevor Simeon. It seems like Vance ain't happy with anyone. And if that's the case and, and Paxton's not separating himself, I think you go back to what you've already known and the known entities. I think it's going to start out of Trevor Simeon. Unless all of a sudden you start hearing news and, and information that Paxton's, uh, you know, Dominating and, and, and separating himself, I think Trevor Simeon's the guy that you from a fan. I want neither of them. Yeah, uh, and it just seems like maybe I want. I, I, you know, I was high last year okay. on Jackson, but who do you want more as the starter for guys like Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders? To be honest, right now it's it's Simeon. Because I'm, I'm with you. It's so. Simeon because Paxton hasn't shown it. Yeah, he's, you're six seven. You've got done it all for BYU or whatever. And Memphis, it just, <laughs> Memphis, fine. Uh, yeah, Memphis. But it, it's just it was a uh, yeah. I, I I think I think it's gonna be us. I think it's gonna be Simeon. So Jared Goff, Jared Goff. The, the only real upside with him is. Of all these guys we've sort of been talking about, how many games over under they could be started, Jared Goff could be the 16-game starter there just because they have to see at this point what they have. Absolutely. Also, you got to think about Sean McVay and, and his offensive sort of prowess, uh, getting involved, getting his hands on that, and, you know, having a positive effect after what's pretty much a lost-loss uh, offensive season. But you've also got to hope that McVay plays this guy's strength, plays a little bit more spread football. And I, I think he could do that, as we've sort of seen from Kirk Cousins over the last couple of years. Play the sort of spread game. Let's get it out of this guy's hands quick to his playmakers. Let guys like Tavon Austin make plays after the catch. So, well, so that, that's, more, that's my upside. And I agree. And even more so than Tavon Austin, I think we've seen is, is what he is. They went out and got uh, Cooper Cup. I know you're not as big a fan as some of the others. But Trash! That, but, but at least he, he, he's a football player. And they went out and they signed Robert Woods, who's a great possession receiver. Hopefully he can stay healthy. It's a better – there's a better receiving court. Higby was a highly drafted guy. He rooms with – If they develop. He with Goff and, and their buddies. So he, he was, a, what, a third rounder or something like that last year, Higby. They, they went high on him. So – Hopefully this team can just kind of mature and be better. I'm not sold on that, but 
it could be a pleasant surprise, and it could happen. The thing is, I think Kenny Britt's better than any of their top receivers they have now. Mm-hmm. But I think the depth's better, mm-hmm. uh, and I think if they develop, I, I think if they develop, that it could be a little bit better, and you could run a little more spread style, three wide receiver sets, get the ball out of the hand quick. You know, the offensive line could be improved with Whitworth. Uh, and, and other sort of changes made along the line, moving guys in and out. So, so that's the part you look for. Uh, next, you've got one, th- one thing I want to say about him. He is a stick. Doesn't he feel like the least strength, strong he, player he, in the league? He looks a little better this year. He looks a little better. And even even other stuff, like watching some of the, uh, the Amazon uh, show or whatever, um, or maybe it's Hard Knocks. Uh, I watch too much football stuff. He... he when everyone's excited and doing team things, he looks a little aloof. He looks like kind of more cutlery than like, hey, let's do it. I'm gonna, I, you're gonna, you're gonna, I'm your leader. Let's revolve around me. I don't see that out of him at all, and I never did. And that's my biggest fear with him. It doesn't seem like he's a galvanizing team leader. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the final sort of quarterback and quarterback situation. We've got the Cleveland Browns. Right now we've got Cody Kessler rated as the highest quarterback. But they're saying he's been struggling a lot in practice. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser's, you know, made some throws. Brock Eisweiler's been sort of the vet, you know, trying to do what he can. And, you know, getting throws to guys like Njoku, who seems to be the only position he can throw to is the tight end. Uh, but and Joe Poo, they, they're saying he's getting stripped a lot, strips and drops. Uh, overall, this is one where you have to see a play out. We've got to see what happens this preseason. I, I like Cody Kessler just because in, in games he did play and finish, he was pretty effective. Yeah. He was sort of a streamable asset. When we talk about you know some of these other guys like golf, who you couldn't play at all, uh, Cody Kessler at least when he was in there. You could play him. You can get some points out of him. Yeah. And he you know, supported guys like Terrell Pryor and a little bit of Corey Coleman. Yeah. So My biggest fear with that whole situation goes back to the power and numbers. It's the Browns. And the same thing goes when you're talking about Goff. It's, it's the Rams. Until these teams turn that corner and are scoring points and putting up uh, and being able to sustain drives to – a cure yards for their quarterback and their players. I just am not really. You know how much I like Corey Coleman last year. You know how much I like a lot of the players. I like uh, Isaiah Crowell. I like. Um, you know, we're talking about quarterbacks. I like all these quarterbacks. I'm, I I like their, but they're just hand. They're silence. It's like a silencer on a gun. When you're on these offenses, the Browns or the Rams, right now, the here and now, you have a silence on the amount of fantasy points. Silence on the amount of fantasy points your player that you have in your starting lineup can score. And that scares me. And I want nothing to do with any of it. I'd rather take a, a, a deeper guy, a third wide receiver on a team that's going to light it up even more than take the wide receiver one on a team that I'm just... I mean, it's 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 Gurley style. Gurley's going mid to late second round. Really? I don't want that on the Rams. He, I hope he turns it around. I know he's a great talent, but I just don't see the points happening in that. So I'm a little nervous about that whole thing. I like what your boy Kenny Britt, we were talking about when he was on the Rams. 
Kenny Britt saying, this guy's going to be, with talking about Deshaun Kaiser, he's like, this guy's going to be one of the greats. Now, is that a guy that's trying to get a lot of targets during the, uh, if, if Kaiser ever becomes a starter this year? Or is this a guy that's played with a bunch of quarterbacks and actually sees true talent? Who knows? Yep. Um, I think we're pretty good there. The one thing I'll say, is there any way Patrick Mahomes... Um, Patrick what's Mahomes the, has looked good. What's the over-under on him? Because that's the one guy that... Uh, I'm a little 12, bummed out. 12 and a half. You thought Alex Smith. 12 and a half. So four, okay, so four games. The other question, quickly. When they I, have to fall out of contention. Yeah. Other question, and then I think we can close the show out. I think it's a good one. Um, Jimmy G, New, uh, New England Patriots. Is there any way that a team loses a quarterback and offers such a lion's share that Jimmy G ends up being a starting quarterback on another team this year? No. No way. 1%. One percent. Okay, I feel good about everything. Troops, Mitchell. Uh, as we said, we think Clinton's going to be the starter. Hackenberg. I think he's going to get some play. I do too. I'm not, I'm not really excited about him. Though. I think he's going to be a turnover machine. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Anyway, that um, that uh, Kirk, if the, if the uh, Washington Redskins suck balls through the first games. Uh, through the first five, six games. Is there any way that Cousins gets traded and you're getting Colt McCoy at games? What? One percent. <laughs> All right. I'm just trying to have some fun here. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening on Stag Party. Always a pleasure to talk fantasy football with you. Uh, guys, check out pyromaniac.com. We've got a lot of changes happening on the website. There will be some bugs here and there. We're working on them, trust me. There's a lot of awesomeness happening for what we're planning uh, on the website for the 2017 season. Sometimes it just takes us a little longer to get things done than we want. Uh, pick up that draft kit. Check out Pyro Pro. Let's get this thing done. If you're an if you're an organ donor, be an organ donor if you're not. But if you're a league donor and you you're always paying out your money to the rest of your league, ride with us. Listen to our podcast. Check out your in season or all of our content, whether it's pickups, weekly matchups, whether it's anything that we're doing. Our podcast. We just talked about the recent podcast where we uh, heartbeat just released. Check that thing out. Please do it. Um, you know, we're working hard and tirelessly to make you guys winners, and uh, that's all I can say. High fives to all of you listening. Thanks for joining us on this journey. Stag Party, you're a machine. I'm D-Rex. We are out. Much love from the Pyromaniac crew. Peace. Peace. Oh, one thing I want to say. The clothes, the music what is uh, Queens of the Stone Age, and uh, we're going to close out on Queens of the Stone Age as well. Uh, I don't know if the song's in front of me, so it doesn't fucking matter. But great fucking band. Um, we love you guys.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.